nauseous. I won't tell you why. Let's just say I cracked something. I sat on something I shouldn't have sat on, and now I'm in trouble. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including... The widow fighting for time to bear her late husband's children. Bedford Hospital bosses fighting for time to save services. And Sheila, who's fighting. I'm not saying what you want me to say, Catherine. What a little bugness. Yes. If you want to take part in the show, then, you know, do it and stuff, innit? Um, get in touch. Usual ways, phones, internets, whatever you fancy, really. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Can I play a song? Did I open that fader a little bit too quickly? <laughs> that was Kelly Betts. Kelly Betts, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. you we were talking about litter bogation. Well. It was, it, we didn't hear, don't worry. You're, you're, the, the, the look of panic on their faces. <laughs> Terrifying. Can I play a song? Wait, what are you putting in now? A compact disc. A, com- a compact... I, went to, I was in London yesterday, I had time to kill. I saw the most vulgar T-shirt I've ever seen in my life. Yes. In a shop window. It's disgusting. Disgu- it, was, it was a naked woman with the word Google, and they'd use her breasts to make the ooh. Oh, but they clever. Put, they put a mask over her eyes yeah. as if she was some sort of victim of crime. And then it said um, the word... The F sl- Google, ask me. Disgusting. Anyway, that was one of the many highlights. She didn't know, no, look, she knew many facts. No. Didn't wear a vest was for a start. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was one of the many highlights of my day in London. I went and bought a record. I went and actually bought some records. Record. Uh, and then I bought a CD. It's one ninety nine CD on the on the the, 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 the counter. Mm. So I'm gonna have that. I approve of this purchase. I saw it on Twitter. Yesterday. It's a cracker. I'm, this is Keris Matthews. Oh yeah. Right. And this is this album. It's from 2006. It's flipping brilliant. Oh, what was the song I wanted? Oh, listen. It's it's a bit of a miserable song. I love Charisma. I think she. Oh, so oh. do I. Oh. What? Who's the- That's my Keris Matthews. It's more like Eartha Kitt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play this. I think she's brilliant. And uh, let's, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a maudlin song. So we'll play a happy song afterwards. But this is quite nice. We have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do I get the CD player to? Oh, it's working. Can Kath introduce it, pure Keris? Hello, I'm Keris Matthews. Lovely, isn't it? It's terrible. No, Ke- Kelly, bed. Say that again. This song's sucking it out of me. I appreciate it. I oh, like it. It's beautiful. Ten Justin, past six. Justin, I, I just think it's a. Oh man, the, I bought this album. It's, it's been a long time since I've done a, an impulse purchase in a record shop, and I saw this on the counter, one ninety nine. I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. I've listened to it twice in the car already. It's wonderful. Justin Dealey uh, has uh, just uh, messaged me using mm. the internal BBC messaging service ENPS, Electronic Navigational Protracted System, and he says. <laughs> No idea. Local connection. Keris is a Luton fan and goes to the games. I've seen her there loads of times. The first word her kids said was Luton. Woo! That's a little bit disappointing, to be honest. Right, 08459 455 555. Now, a Newport Pagnell woman will find out later whether she'll be allowed more time to bear her late husband's children. Warren Brewer uh, had a sample of his sperm frozen before undergoing treatment for cancer. Sadly, he didn't survive, but his widow Beth thought his wishes uh, thought his wishes for her to use the sample in her own time had been made clear. But the paperwork suggests otherwise, doesn't it, Catherine? I'm afraid so. Under the current rules on fertility treatment, samples can only be stored for ten years unless extra paperwork is signed to extend that time frame. 
Warren Brewer had his sample frozen back in 2005 and he died before he could fill out any more forms. His widow, Beth, is arguing that he thought he'd left her completely free to use the sample as and when and if and when she was ready to start a family, but she's 28. She doesn't feel that time's right yet. And because that uh, sample was frozen in 2005 she's got a year to use it now and when we last spoke to us uh, when we last spoke to beth she told us that she may never use this sample um, if she meets someone new at some time in the future you know it may no longer be appropriate but she's fighting to achieve the flexibility that she says warren wanted her to have if she loses this case though as i say she's got until next april to use a sample before it's destroyed could this matter have been resolved without going to the high court well i'm sure beth would have preferred it that way because obviously it's a very personal case it's left her relationship up to a great deal of scrutiny from people who don't know her. She's coming from a lot of flack from people and groups who have ethical objections to what she's considering doing. And still, there is a principle at stake here. Um, and the leniency that she's asking for from the High Court could have implications, not just for Beth, but for the future of fertility treatment, which is how it's come to this. She's not totally without support, though, is there? There are people fighting her corner. No, she says that Warren's family are right behind her, and her own family and friends have been extremely supportive. Um, plus, she's backed by Diane Blood, and we spoke to her last time this story came up as well. Diane is a woman who fought a similar battle, not the same thing, but a similar battle nearly 20 years ago, and she's actually had children by her late husband. She's been going along to court in person to follow Beth's case. Uh, and what, what happens today? The High Court's due to pass judgment on the case today. Previously, Judge Mrs Justice Hogg heard evidence from Beth Warren and the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority at a hearing in the Family Division of the High Court in London. She reserved judgment when that happened, and she said she'd deliver a ruling which we're expecting early this afternoon. And Beth's coming on the show later on. She is, yes. She'll be en route to uh, to court. She's got a number of uh, television engagements today. She'll be all over the media. Can we get that? Can, can we put this out there as to what people think about this? I mean, we had lots of calls the other day about gay adoption. Oh, it's not natural. Oh, it's not natural. I would argue, uh, it, it could be argued, that this is literally less natural in as much as it is, it is not a natural process that would lead to her having children with her dead husband's sperm. I think maybe, as well, I need to flag up the fact that Warren only died in 2012. Yep, yep. So we don't want to make this a personal attack on her at all. And, you know, it's, it's all still very fresh in her mind. But I, I'm keen and she admitted to us that she's still grieving and yeah, that's all still, you of course, know... And we won't turn it into, into an attack on Beth. I'm just keen to get people's thoughts in, a, in, in kind of a general way about people who, who uh, have children using the sperm of partners that have deceased. Do you know, I would love to hear from someone who was married to someone who died yeah. and whether you would want to have that happen to you. <laughs> um, not, not for them to die, but whether you would want to have had their children afterwards. 0845, thank you, Catherine. 08459 455555. Yes, we're not going to make this a personal attack or otherwise on Beth. That would be, uh, would be cruel and inappropriate to do that. But the, 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 the principle, the general idea of having the children um, of someone who's passed away several years after they've passed away. If you look at it, biologically, it's not natural. And I mean that in the, the most literal sense of natural, in as much as lots of scientific processes have to take place. How does it sit with you? Does it make you uncomfortable? Do you say, oh, no, it's fine. Now, I said we'd have something more upbeat than the uh, first song, the beautiful uh, Endless Rain by Keris Matthews. And it don't get no more upbeat than this. Literally the most upbeat song in the world. 
Morning, Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 if you want to take part in the show. Bedford Hospital bosses are concerned that a decision to farm out some services is the biggest threat to the hospital to date. It could mean that patients needing musculoskeletal treatment could be cared for elsewhere, starting a domino effect where services are lost one by one. Those fears were compounded yesterday when it was announced the process will start on April the 1st. Yeah, three weeks' time. From then on, things like hip and knee replacements will be managed by a consortium of private companies and NHS bodies, or at least that's the plan. The Hospital Trust says it's still not received all the necessary information, which means that official signing of the contract will be delayed. Or someone who's been following this closely is the former Labour MP for Bedford, Patrick Hall, who's also the prospective Labour parliamentary candidate for Bedford. Morning, Patrick. Good morning, Ian. Patrick, before we start talking about this, you handed in a petition, didn't you, about paediatric services last night. Tell us more. Yes, I attended a meeting of the Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group in Flittick and um, handed in a petition basically calling for the health authorities to restore all children's services to Bedford Hospital as soon as possible. Um, much of that work has already been done, so I was pleased with that. And uh, what we were saying was really, you know, complete the job. And uh, the commitment is there to do that. So that, that's good news. Hospital bosses say that this, that we're talking about this morning, is a greater threat. Would you agree? Absolutely. This is this is something entirely different. Um, and uh, indeed, I uh, wasn't there for the discussion about the um, part privatisation of the musculoskeletal services. But um, what happened yesterday um, with the um, Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group, which is responsible for organising all of this, is that because Bedford Hospital and Circle Health, Circle Health is a private company that is now the lead provider to deliver these services, because Bedford Hospital and health has not yet uh, come to agreement on all the safety issues that are necessary, despite the fact that this process was supposed to start from last October. Um, the decision was taken yesterday that, it, in fact, it won't start on the 1st of April, and no date has yet been agreed as to when the full service begins. So here we are taking months, spending a lot of money, and overarching all of this is uncertainty about something that is fundamental. So who's to blame for this delay? Well... I'm I'm not into the blame game in terms of the details of Bedford Hospital and Circle Health and all that sort of thing. I think it's the system. It's the system that's wrong. The government requires health services to go out to tender now, subject to competition law. And that's very time-consuming, it's costly, it's a diversion of time and attention from what the health service should be all about, which is using taxpayers' money to look after people in this country. That's what it's all about. And all these devices that have been forced on health services are difficult and uh, take a lot of time and trouble. Bedford Hospital are stalling slightly, aren't they? In that the, they're holding out for certain information. Are they right to do this, or is this, this putting principle before care? No, I don't think this is about uh, political principle within Bedford Hospital. It's about trying to get uh, safe uh, services for local people, accessible to people living in this area. Uh, if, if it doesn't work out, this will um, undermine Bedford Hospital, and it will also not be a good service for local people who may have to travel a lot further. I mean, under this system, yeah, and this is I think quite incredible. Under the new system that's supposed to have already started and is now going to be further delayed, Bedford Hospital is being asked to become a subcontractor to a private profit-making health company. And uh, I find that this sort of development in the National Health Service is something that people really need to wake up to and and be concerned about. Patrick, what, what would you like to see happen? 
Well, no. Well, I'd, I'd like to see this whole system ditched and return to a national health service concentrating on delivering the best services for people and improving the health service by cooperation, not by forcing competition on our NHS and wasting money and time on doing that. But, of course, that, that's something that we can't achieve this year. We need a general election to, to uh, address those issues. What I hope will happen now is that there's proper discussion and negotiation between Circle Health, Bedford Hospital, to make sure that local people get the safest and best treatment accessible in this area in Bedford, as is the case at the moment. Patrick, thanks very much for getting up at this ridiculous time in the morning to talk about this. It's much appreciated. Uh, prospective Labour parliamentary candidate for Bedford, Patrick Hall. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 555. It's coming up to 6.30. Wow. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stephen the Milkman's on the line. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Mr Lee. How are you? Do you know what, mate? I'm full of the, uh, um, the, um, what, uh, I'm full of, um, full of something. You're full of it, yeah. I'm full of what he called the joys of spring. (laughs) Kelly, Ah. Kelly, Kelly, deliver the news you just delivered to me. Uh, what? The, de- deliver the news you just delivered to me. Deliver it to the listener. What news? The news. You just... Oh, for goodness sake. You just yeah. came in and you delivered some news to me. Deliver it to the listener. I love you. No. That's not news. Um, you came in and you said something. Oh, 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 okay. <clears throat> it's lighter outside this morning. Yeah? Isn't it, Stephen? Are you out? Um, yes, I'm out. You feeling it? You feeling? feeling you feeling light. spring, Stephen? Yes. Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. Song she sang to me. Song she brang to me. Made up word by Neil Diamond. There, ladies and gentlemen. I'm turning your microphone off, Kelly. Bye. Stephen, what did you like? What would you like to say, sir? I have to tell you, you got it wrong yet again, Mister Lee. What? It's not Whitney Houston. It's liquid gold, and dance yourself dizzy. What on earth is that? Oh my goodness me! I don't. I, I, is that get, a song? Get your get your man Justin. He'll tell you all about that, and you put it on, and you'll be bopping around the studio. Liquid gold. Luckily, we don't yeah. have that uh, on the system. Otherwise, I would. Um no, you can't, Catherine. Don't worry. You're busy retyping stuff that wasn't left in a fit standard to broadcast. Um, did sing it to me, Stephen. Oh dear me! He goes, "Dance yourself dizzy." Um, I can't remember the next bit. Luckily for you, shall I play it for you now? Go on. Go on. Intro- I it. found it. Introduce it, and I'll play it. Here's liquid gold and dance yourself dizzy. Not a chance. Hell, miss. What happened to that guy? Morning, Catherine. Morning. Nice to see you. Nice to be seen. Yeah, they're getting rid of BBC Three. It's in oh, the news. No more snog, marry, avoid. What a shame. They're getting rid. It's in a lot of the papers. They had to get rid of one channel. It's BBC Three. They done got rid of. Good. Good news though. You can see it on the iPlayer if you like to see girls having their makeup taken off. Snog, marry, avoid. My mum was a lesbian piece of cheese. Look at that dog doing a poo. <laughs> Those are three of the programmes. Pitch him. Doesn't it still cost the same amount to make the programmes? Yeah, of course it does. So what are they paying for? Tele- does telly time cost? Well, it, they'll, they'll, cost, they'll make them for cheaper. They'll, they'll say, I've got no budget, I'm afraid. It's for online. Uh, but the thing is, everyone's going, oh, but all this great new talent that was exposed because of BBC Little Britain started on BBC 3. It didn't. It started on Radio 4. Um, all, all of these other programmes that started, uh, Gavin and Stacey started on BBC. Well, hang on. 
That's what BBC Two was for. BBC Two used to be the breeding ground for new talent, where they try things that were a little bit experimental. You know what happened? The BBC bought a big new house and spread out, and then yep. realised they couldn't afford it. So now they're moving down. No one again. apart from um, sixteen-year-old wannabes and Radio One presenters will miss BBC Three. Here's an idea. Listen to the radio again. Yay. Because that's where a lot of new talent is. <clears throat> it's... You're... Uh, whoa, hey, you can't... You're old. Uh, you're, you're, you're not new talent. You're just old. Uh, well, yeah, but I was new talent. But unfortunately, because of BBC Three... Yeah. Um, I've been allowed to get a little bit... Flabby around the... Um, no, I wouldn't say flabby. Well, I, I've jowly. been allowed to mature. Um, that's what I've done. Like a stinky cheese. Wow. You're, you're like a bishop's finger. Oh. oh. Yeah, no, that's a compliment. That's a beer. Is it? You're thinking stinking bishop. Oh, yeah. You're like a stinking bishop. Yeah, thanks. But, but not the cheese. Just a really smelly man of the cloth. Oh, well, at least I'm of the cloth. <laughs> You're touching the cloth. Now, papers. papers. What you got? Have you got anything? Um, no, because I've been really working got, really hard. You look, because I've got stuff. I've got loads of stuff. Go on. The front page of the Times. Stop ritual slaughter of animals, says top vet. There's a top vet? I didn't know there was a top vet. Muslims and Jews urged to use humane methods. This is quite interesting. And I, 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 This is quite interesting. The religious slaughter of animals should be banned if Muslims and Jews refuse to adopt more humane methods of killing. So basically, um, halal, isn't it, is where you hang the animal upside down and you slit its throat. While let it's it bleed d- out. You let it bleed out, apparently because the blood is, it contains diseases. I don't know what the other and arguments are. And there are prayers are. said at the same time. Good, good for them. Good for them. That must make the people that are doing the slitting of the throats feel much better. I don't know what impact it would have on the animals. The Western way of uh, of, of killing animals, or slaughtering animals, I believe, is they stun them and then it's a bolt through the head. Yeah. Neither are particularly gorgeous and glamorous, but it could be argued that the Western way is less cruel and less painful. Well, the uh, John Blackwell, the president-elect of the British Veterinary Association, said that uh, basically halal and kosher meat cause unnecessary suffering and it should be stopped. Now, this is interesting for several reasons. Uh, I know we have lots of Asian and Jewish listeners. Is halal and kosher, do you think it's cruel? 08459 555555. Shall I say what's been going on? Oh, well, hang on, what bit? What I've been up to. Shall I say what I've been up to? What, what bit of what you've been up to? I don't know. Your can of worms, crack it open. Kelly Betts. Kelly Betts. Mm. Guess, I've been a vegetarian for 25 years. Guess what I have for my supper on Sunday? Meat. A steak. A steak? Was that your first bit of meat? It was the... F- I've, I've, yeah, pretty much, yes. Let's say yes, although it's not completely. My first bit of meat in 25 years, my first steak ever. I had. I texted my wife on Sunday morning and said, do you know how to cook uh, the steak? She went, yes. I said, I'll have a medium, please. I had a steak. Wow. Two nights ago... Wait, going back to the the steak. Yeah. How did it feel? Did you have you had you missed it? It was intense. I was sucking it. Have you ever sucked a steak? No. It tasted. Oh, look at Catherine's face. She looked like um, uh, a happy, proud mum. Well, no, it's just I remember the day after you came in saying, Oh, man alive, what is this new wonder? If you have listened to Monday's show, you will have heard a perkiness in my step that has not been there for 25 years. I could see colours more brightly. I was focused. I was positive. I was on top of my game. Think Dracula after. It I was thought if, if a vegetarian ate meat, uh, they would feel a bit sick. Because no. Because not used to it. I had quite bad indigestion mm. and my mouth tasted of fur. Oh, tasted of fur. Yeah, it was furry. It was furry. But apart from that, as well, Wednesday night, mm. uh, no, Tuesday night, homemade beef burgers. Wow. Saturday night, I'm having some lamb. Wow. I know, I know. Th- th- now, what I'm doing is I'm having two weeks full on. Binge. 
full on having the meat. I'm, I'm, I'm two weeks having the meat, and then I'm going to sit back and, um, you know, have a little bit of quiet I contemplation. I feel like somebody should be a vegetarian while you're eating meat. We need to equal. We need to balance it out. Is there anybody... Li- that's actually an excellent point. Have we got a listener who is a meat eater who will be prepared to go vegetarian for the rest of this week and next week? 08459 Just to balance out the equation ever so slightly. I've got to say, the steak was amazing it was honestly it was amazing i've never tasted anything so the texture it was the texture as well the texture is a big thing with me i've decided i've discovered the well te- you're used to crunch fresh watery juicy <laughs> now you're getting something else a bit more fibrous so i'm gonna have another week and another week and a half of it but we do need this is a serious point that kelly Betts has, has raised we need a, someone to become vegetarian for the next what, 10 12 days is kelly? that you Ke- what about kelly kelly would you do it mm? sorry what would you be I'm, up for it mm, Catherine. What? i love meat though yeah i know i that. like it like pretty much raw yeah i know you love it raw ah! I don't think I could. You just I, I can't think I get could. enough. I reckon I could do it. Then would you do it? Can I have prawns? No. Well, then no. Okay, well, that's that. Catherine, what have you found in the papers? You know, the other I wasn't day- going to say that on the radio, by the way. I was keeping that to myself. I've, I know, I've kind of come out. Unleashed. Um, do you remember the other day... Oh. <laughs> you remember the other day we were talking about that dog that got stuck in a hole? Oh, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed the dog getting stuck in a hole. That was, was awesome. What was called again? I can't remember what its name was. Um, it was like Benny or something. I said it was called Benny. No, it was something more like frisky or... Frisky, oh, flippant. Was it called? <laughs> anyway, there's another one of these. Firefighters spending time saving animals. Oh, for goodness Scandals. Sakes. This is in Daily Mail. This yeah. time it's a cockatiel. Which was stuck up a tree. Can they get stuck up a tree, birds? I thought that's just what birds do. Yeah, they go up trees. It was up a tree. It wasn't okay. stuck. So, ten firemen, one PCSO and an RSPCA inspector... Oh. This is according to the male waste seven hours trying to rescue a cockatiel up a tree until its owner lures it down. How? With a pink dressing gown. Remembering that her pet Georgie loved to snuggle in the bright pink dressing gown, she decided to don the robe and call him to the amazement of more than a hundred onlookers. Her plan worked and the cockatiel flew down. I, I, I like birds. I like um, budgies. I don't get why you'd want one as a pet. You wouldn't want one as a pet, but I like budgies. I like cockatiels. I like a cockatoo. Uh, it's just, I, but I don't understand why you'd want to have them in a cage. My granddad had a cockatiel, right, called Oscar, that he inherited from my auntie, who's had a series of pets that she tires of, and they end up living with my grandparents. Um, but Oscar used to sit in the cage and look at him as my granddad, with flipping monkey nuts in his hand, would say, Now say Bertie. Say Bertie. Did it say Bertie? That bird never said a thing. He just looked at him like he was an idiot. <laughs> Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I, uh, Ian and Milton Keynes, stay there. I will be with you before seven o'clock. Uh, but before that, I, want, I just want to mention this. A licence application is due to be considered today for a camping and entertainment weekend at The Reach near Nash to coincide with the Kings of Leon concert in Milton Keynes. Aylesbury Vale district councillors will decide whether to approve the event, which will provide camping for concert goers and entertainment, including European and DJs playing dance music into the early hours. Man alive, I, I am old because that sounds like hell to me. Our Milton Keynes reporter Craig Lewis is in the studio. Craig, first of all, does it sound like your kind of thing? I'm not European DJs until three. Far too old for that now, Ian. Why would European DJs want to go to Nash? Well, well, that is the question, Ian. Um, And the simple answer is they'll have a bit of a captive audience waiting for them there come the weekend of June 21st and 22nd. And and by that, I don't mean the noble worthies on on Nash Parish Council. I think probably would agree with us. Uh, 
it's because that's the weekend when American rock stars, the Kings of Leon, are going to be playing at Milton Keynes Bowl. And uh, one local entrepreneur has decided to take advantage of that by offering concert goers a camping and entertainments weekend to supplement their visit to the bowl. Uh, Halo Limited, they're based at a very rural location, it's called The Reach. They'll be inviting guests to arrive between midday and 9pm on the Saturday. And there'll be entertainment between 7 and 1 in the morning on Saturday night and into Sunday morning. And the fun starts all over again on the Sunday when campers are transported down to the bowl for the Kings of Leon concert. And when they return from there at 11 o'clock, an after-party of sorts is going to take place. It'll run until 3 o'clock on Sunday morning. And the no-doubt happy campers will then grab a breakfast on Monday morning and start home. Hey, what could possibly go wrong? The major concern from residents is a worry about noise. The reach is located close to the A421, roughly equidistant between three small villages, Nash, Little Horwood and Great Horwood, and the parish councils from all three of these areas have complained to Aylesbury Vale District Council, and uh, they'll currently actually be heading off to the licensing committee of that council uh, right about now, because it's meeting at half nine this morning. Uh, I spoke to Alan Taylor, the chairman of Nash Parish Council. The potential for noise is horrendous. The the first houses are under a mile from the site. Now they're talking of possibly up to 2,000 people with alcohol. And although I'm certainly not accusing the, the proprietors of getting mixed up with drugs, from my limited knowledge of such events, young people, loud music, alcohol, you can usually hear that drugs have come into it somewhere. Yeah, that's Alan Taylor, the chairman of Nash Parish Council, and it's not just noise issues which are worrying people. Uh, there are also concerns that access could be a major problem. I went to the Reach earlier this week, and I have to say it's a pretty narrow entrance down mm. there in and onto the land where the event's going to take place. It's not far from the A421, which can be a busy road, uh, particularly on Monday morning when commuters are heading into Milton Keynes, and that's going to be exactly the time where all these bleary-eyed concert goers are heading back out hey, into the real world. Uh, I also spoke to Anna Taylor. She's from Coach Company concept travel and she fears her business is going to be affected as well. We're mainly concerned about the access and the large number of people and cars that will be attending um, and problems that it may well cause as we share an access road. Our coaches have to reverse out of the yard and back up towards the premises for the licence application. Obviously at this point we're all crossing each other's entrances and it does pose proper safety concerns for us that we have had incidents out here before with the coaches have, well, I've had one had an accident with a car. It's one weekend, and, and while it might not be our thing, I, you know, I can understand that, that why people would want to do this. Will one weekend really make all that much difference? Well, yeah, that's an interesting one, Ian, and, and ten years ago this probably would have been exactly my thing, so I can understand why they'd want to put this event on. Um, the people behind Halo Limited insist they only want to provide this event for concerts at NK Bowl. Uh, notably, three big-name acts have already been confirmed for the bowl this year, uh, with Pearl Jam and Electronics music experts dreamscape also due to play there so that could be three events rather than one straight away and the license applied for would in theory allow halo to put on events whenever they wanted villagers fear events could follow when silverstone uh, comes to town for the grand prix that's not too far away yep. uh, or simply pop up as standalone festivals now halo vigorously deny this saying they wouldn't have the time the money or the implication to do anything like that what well. halo what, what suggestions have halo come up with to, to combat the, the noise and the access problems well, they don't really think that the noise is going to be a problem at all. They, they've had two 
previous events there during concerts at the Bowl, and they say they didn't have a single complaint at all. They, they've spoken to neighbours in the area previously, asked them to flag up any difficulties, and that's not just happened at all. This year's application would allow for a larger event, up to 2,000 people, as compared to the previous 500. Uh, Halo insists that figure is likely to be more around about 1,000, and they say the PA systems used to pump out this music are going to be exactly the same as before. So although there'll be more people, it's still only going to be the same sound levels. Uh, they also say they've been praised by Thames Valley Police and Aylesbury Vale District Council for the way they've run previous events, and they say the access roads have been checked and approved by the council. Now, I spoke to Jack Osborne from Halo, and this is what he had to say. With regards to noise levels, we have run the event uh, previously in 2011, 2012, uh, which we've used the exact same setup, the same sound system, and the same DJs were performing there. We operated those under a TENS licence, which means that we had limited capacity, but we ran the same event style with the same setup, and we had no complaints from neighbours. We are in quite a rural location. There's not uh, not too many domestic dwellings in the area. Uh, it's mostly commercial in the area, so we, we do notify everybody in the local area, um, and we also have been consulting with environmental health with regards to sound regulations. Uh, we don't expect there to be any problem with traffic. We have a, a pretty uh, pretty serious uh, traffic management plan that we've put in place. That's also been signed off by um, by Ellsbury Vale District Council, Thames Valley Police, um, and the Bucks Fire Authority have all signed that off. Um, we, we do have security. We have stewards on site 24-7 we guide traffic through to, to off-site car parks. So as soon as people come along on the main road, they're directed straight off. It's a constant flow of traffic until their cars are parked. There's not expected to be any problem at all with traffic. Yeah, that was uh, Jack Osborne from Halo explaining mm-hmm. why he doesn't think there'll be any problems. And there is one last sort of twist in this, really, and that's that the whole application, everything that's going on at half nine this morning, could be entirely academic, um, because even if it's turned down today, some form of event is likely to be taking place at the Reach come June. And that's because Halo already has a temporary events licence. It would allow them to put on the kind of events they have done twice before, and villagers may be, uh, may be faced with this, whatever happens. Oh, dear. Well, uh, Craig... Thank you very much for that. We shall follow this story with interest. 08459 if you want to have your say on that. Ian's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Ian. Morning. Now, listen, we, we, uh, we're going off on tangents this morning, as we always do. I, um, for two weeks, after 25 years of vegetarian me, for two weeks I'm going to be eating the meat. I've already had a steak, I've already had a homemade burger. I'm thinking I might pop to prisoners after the show and get a bacon sandwich. You can't beat a bacon sandwich. Oh, man alive. T- two weeks. But, but Kelly Betts raised the, inter- raised the interesting point. We need to redress the balance. We need a meat eater to become a vegetarian. I believe you've, you've got a sausage in your hand right now, have you? I've got a sausage sandwich, yeah. I'm halfway sandwich. through it, yeah. So uh, I'm going to finish this and that'll be it. Oh, hang on. Well, hang on a minute. That's not much commitment to the court. Are you? Do you like a bit of meat, Ian? I eat meat all the time. What, what's, your, what's your... Give me some recommendations for meat. We've already had already one of the best, which is a steak. Oh, you can't be man, it was incredible. Do you like curry? Go and have a lamb curry. That is top dog as well oh, it could be top dog depending on some of the places you yeah, go to you never know, so you yeah. like a bit of meat are you prepared uh, until um, uh, the end of next week to be a vegetarian well, I didn't give anything up for Lent, so I think I should do, yeah. All right, listen, What we need to, we need evidence, OK? So we need to speak right. to you regularly so we can smell your breath on the, on the air. <laughs> also, you're on Twitter, are you? I am, yeah. What? Right, hang on a minute. I'm gonna get, let me just get you up. What's, what's your Twitter name? I think, I'm not sure, but what? I think it's at Grey1987. Grey? Yeah, G-R-A-Y. G-R-A-Y, 1987? 
Yeah, I think. You're a Japanese fella, are you? I'm not, no, I'm not Japanese, no. There's, well, there's, it's come up with some Japanese writing. I'll have to tweet you later. Uh, yeah, we'll have. Uh, let me have a little. Maybe it's grey with a, with a. Oh, my computer's just with an e. It Let's should be G R A Y. It might be I grey. Oh, for goodness! No, sake. I, I can't remember. This man, meat is ruining your brain. It is. Right, listen. Tweet us. We're going to yep. follow you. What we need you to do? I need a photo of every meal you have, mate, just to make sure you're not eating meat. Right, we'll do. Can you, can you tweet a photo of every meal for the next ten days? Yeah, you're, yeah, a, Ian, you're a good sport. Thank you very much indeed. We got ourselves a convoy. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. I like the parks. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots on the show this morning. If I were you, I'd give us a call now because it's going to get very, very busy. We'll be talking to the widow, fighting for time to bear her late husband's children. Bedford Hospital bosses are fighting for time to save services. And Sheila's fighting litterbugs. Who's Sheila? Find out soon. Other bits and pieces we're talking about. Uh, fur, furs in the papers. Let's have, I want to send Justin Dealey out to talk about fur later on. Would you ever wear fur? It's making a comeback. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, there's a story in uh, one of the papers. I'm just trying to find it. I think it was... Um, was it in the Express, mm. Catherine? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing a voice? No, it's my well, own voice. Where was that story about fur? Make, uh, oh, I don't know. You were going on about it. Yeah, all right. Sorry, you were mentioning it. That, uh, for goodness sake, I can't find it now. You should, you should take notes when I speak in the office upstairs, because what I say is... Oh, I take certain notes on certain things, you say. For the tribunal. Oh, you're such... <laughs> uh, I nearly swore them. Isn't that funny? I nearly another swore... Another one. Yeah, There's another swore. one. Fur flies over McQueen show. I do wish that director, Steve McQueen, would change his name. I get excited every time I hear about a new Steve McQueen film, and then it's just him. Mm. Oh, 12 it's years... a different McQueen, though, isn't it? What? It's not. This, this is a different McQueen, but but just allow me one second. Twelve years a slave. I'm sure it's very worthy. I ain't never going to see it. Oh no, I'm never going to. You see should it. no. Anyway, it's a different McQueen. Fur flies over McQueen show. If it had become a, a fashion no-no in recent years, it's certainly back with a vengeance now. Alexander McQueen, his wildly romantic fairy tale inspired show in Paris, may have had couture. Couture. Yes. Fans under a spell, but was always bound to rub animal lovers up the wrong way. Hand-cut pom-poms to hooded gilets. Gilets? Yes. The Fashion House's latest collection... It's a body warmer. Oh, I used to love a body warmer. ...was almost entirely made up of fur. And fur's been worn by uh, Kate Moss and Pop-Tart Rihanna. Would you ever wear fur, Catherine? No, but I have. When? When I was a kid i would say about 17 18 my mum had this coat from the 70s it was like a three-quarter length leather coat really sort of tight around the top it was really nice had um, a rabbit fur collar did you and did you feel any guilt or any shame did you have red paint poured over you by um animal rights it was so ratty it looked like a pretend one Um, but i don't like the idea of it now i certainly wouldn't do it now let's put it out there would you ever wear for oh eight four five nine four double five five double five 
A Newport Pagnell uh, lady's legal fight for time to save her late husband's children could be decided today. Warren Brewer had a sample of his sperm frozen before undergoing treatment for cancer in 2005. Well, the uh, current rules dictate that samples can only be stored for 10 years. Unless Beth Warren can convince the High Court of her husband's wishes, she has until next April to get pregnant and she's not ready to start a family. Beth joins me on the line. Morning, Beth. Good morning. Nice to speak to you again. Just um, the, the remind us, when, when did Warren pass away? Warren passed away, it was February 2012, so just over two years ago. And I would imagine, of course it is, it, it must still be uh, very painful for you. It is, it's really difficult to deal with. I also lost my brother two months before my husband, so it was a, a double blow of trying to deal with two losses. So you've had a real rough ride of things, and, and what exactly is it that you're, you're fighting for, and what, what, what's going to happen today? So what happened after my husband died, I was told it was a month to the day that he died that I had six weeks to become pregnant. So it's been going on two years, this legal battle. And I'm fighting for the choice to become pregnant, which is what my husband wanted at a time when I'm ready, rather than having an imposed time limit, which my husband never, never set up for me. And you're at the High Court today... I am, yeah. Will, will, will that decision... Oh, I, I, listen, I bet you are, and I really appreciate you coming on this morning. It must be a very tense time. Will that decision get made... Will you walk out with a yes or no answer today? Yes, that's right. The judgment's going to be handed down by Mrs Justice Holger at about two o'clock. Oh, gosh. But I will definitely know. I have no idea at the moment, so I'm so nervous. How have you, been, how have you, future. How have you got through the last couple of days and this morning in particular? Um, I've got an amazing best friend um, she's with me through all the terrible times all the great times but yeah just in general a lot of crying a lot of talking to friends and family and just reminding myself that it's all worth doing it's worth the fight and you're not totally sure that you want to have children using Warren's sperm are you, you you're, you're, you're more campaigning for the, the chance to have more time to make up your mind that's right I totally understand that the future you know, will change. I didn't expect that I was going to lose my husband, you know, all that time ago when we were together. I didn't expect I'd lose my brother. And I do know that things change and whether it's never the right decision, that might be the case. But I can't be forced into doing it now when I know I'm not ready. And this could all come down basically to to the, the kind of the paperwork that Warren did or didn't sign. It is, yes. So Warren signed every single piece of paperwork he was ever given over seven years. He also phoned at the clinic a few months before he died, asking if everything was in place in the event of his death. But it all comes down to the HFEA, that's the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority, a bit of a mouthful. Mm. Um, it's all their legislation which governs what consent is needed in what format, and we were just never given the choice and never told, obviously, that this would be a problem. We, when you came on before, Beth, we, we, we kind of sort of mentioned this, uh, we touched on this. Do you think that campaigning uh, for this and, and, and all the legal battles you're going through is um, helping you move on in your life? Or do you think it's, it's kind of slowing down the grieving process? I think it's certainly not helping me move on because everything's so tied up together from when I lost my brother, my husband, mm. and now this. I want to be putting this to the past and moving on to the future and building a new future. And when you're fighting for the past, it's, it's really difficult to do that. And, and, and what, this will be the last uncomfortable question, I, I promise. What, what would you say to people who might argue that it's, um, it's not the natural way of things to, to have the baby of a partner who died several years ago? It, 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 it's, it's not right. What would you say to them? 
Oh, of course, it's difficult. And I think if I wasn't in this situation, I couldn't understand it. But when you love someone and you made plans to spend the rest of your life with them, you made plans to have children, but you also made plans of what would happen if one of you wasn't around. It's something that we discussed. And ultimately, if he wasn't happy, I would never be fighting for this. But he was. And I know it's not ideal. That child wouldn't have their father. But so many children don't have great upbringings with parents that aren't very supportive choose not to be around and that child would be in a very supportive family with a lot of photos memories stories of their dad and also this i mean this this decision will of course affect you but it, it could potentially affect other people in similar situations couldn't it? it's going to be a groundbreaking decision yeah, it certainly will. I'll set a legal precedent either way. And I'm really confident that whether I win or lose, it will certainly change the situation in the future for every other widow or widower in the UK so that no one else has to go through this situation. If you lose, Beth, is there anywhere else you can go? Can you take this further? Yes, I can. If I lose, I can appeal through the High Court and then appeal through the European Court of Justice. And you'll, you'll do that, will you? I'm not sure, to be honest. I really feel like I'm running out of fight now. It's been two years of cancer, two years of this. Mm. But at the same time, it's not a battle you give up. If you want something enough, you keep on fighting. Ultimately, it's going to come down to what the judge says, what the judgment is. We're going to read through it and then decide from there. Okay, so two o'clock today. Yes. Uh, I wish you the very best of luck. If you feel Thank up to you, it, yeah. and uh, you know, listen, I understand it's going to be very emotional. But if you feel up to it, I'd love to talk to you tomorrow. Um, yes. But let's let's see how things go. And uh, best of luck. Thank you very much. Beth, thank indeed. you very much indeed. Ah, oh, dearie me. What do you make of that? Well, I, I can't even begin to imagine how she's getting through this. It must be so tense. It must be so tense and awkward. I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. 08459 455 555. She sounds like a very sensible, very rational person who has been through a lot. Lost her husband and her brother within the, the space of a couple of months, a couple of years ago. What do you make of it, though? Not, not, not Beth's case specifically. It's, uh, let's l- let her get through her traumatic day uh, in peace, shall we? Uh, but th- th- the concept, there are other s- stories, aren't there? Is it Diane Blood? Is that the name of the other person who, who went through this? The, 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 the concept, the general idea of uh, a widow having uh, her dead husband's child several years after the husband's passed away. So it's not she was pregnant when he died. Um, but several years using frozen sperm. What what do you make of that? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Trevor's in Aylesbury. Morning, Trevor. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Well, what, what do you make of the? And I, I, I don't want to talk specifically about Beth because I, I you know, she's obviously in, a, in a, a, a painful place. But the general idea of it, Trevor. What do you make of it? Well, I'm, I mean, obviously, like I say, with, with this case, he's done it for a reason, um, and I, I can't see a problem with it really, as long as it was all agreed beforehand. Do you not? Do you, does none of you think it's odd, Trevor, that two, three, four, five years after someone has died, uh, the partner has uh, a, a child or two children with that dead partner's sperm? Sorry for having your breakfast, by the way. Um, uh, and, and then you've got to explain that to the kids. Oh yeah, your dad died. Did I ever meet him? No, he died five years before you were born. Yeah, that's probably going to be the hardest bit, I think. Um, but everything else, I think it's, it's fine. I mean, that's the, that's the wonders of science, isn't it? Advanced technology, things we can do nowadays. Trevor, I'm going to let you go because the line's not great. I believe you're enjoying a nice bacon bap. Good on you, son. Well done. I may be having one a little bit later on. My first bacon in 25 years will be happening later on uh, uh, this morning. Um, what do you think of it? What do you think of what Beth had to say? What do you think of the concept in general? 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we talked about gay adoption the other day, we had lots of people, lots of people phoning up saying it's not natural. It's not natural for two men, two women to adopt a child. It could be argued that, that this is less natural in the truest sense of the words, because it's taken a heck of a lot of science to make those babies. 08459 four double five five double five using the sperm of a dead man to father children. What do you reckon? <laughs> now, listen, I, I, w- I was going to keep this private, but it's, I've, I, I've let it slip, OK? After 25 years of vegetarian, I had steak at the weekend, homemade burgers on Tuesday. I'm trying lamb on Saturday. I'm having a bacon sandwich later on. I'm having two weeks of eating meat, and then I'm going to decide. I enjoy the meat. I still struggle with the ethics of it, putting a bolt through an animal's head. But to, um, uh, to, to counterbalance my uh, entree, entree into the meat world, we found a meat eater who's going to become vegetarian. OK, his name's Ian Gray. If you want to follow him, he's on Twitter. We've got his Twitter account now. It's at 1987 underscore Ian, I-A-N. So nothing like what he said, Grey 1980. At 1987 underscore I-A-N. He's going to post pictures of his vegetarian meals. And he's just posted a brilliant picture of a sausage. His sausage sandwich he's tossed on the floor. So he's in. He's going to be the vegetarian for the next couple of weeks while I'm a meat eater. So do follow him and send him your support. At 1987 underscore Ian. He's a good lad. He's uh, so... Uh, Let's see what happens. Now, plans to partly privatise Bedford Hospital's musculoskeletal services have hit another stumbling block. A consortium of private companies and NHS bodies had been due to take over procedures like hip and knee replacements last October. Well, that date was shifted to April the 1st, and now hospital bosses say they haven't got the necessary information to sign the contract, so it won't be happening then either. Well, the Hospital Trust has previously told us that uh, this contract could spell the beginning of the end for Bedford, with services being lost one by one. So are they just dragging their feet? We'll ask their medical director, Ed Neal, in a moment, but first let's hear from Dr Alvin Lowe. He's a GP in Biggleswade and a member of Bedfordshire's Clinical Commissioning Group. Uh, Good morning, Alvin. What do you think's happening here? Good morning, Ian. Um, We very much want Bedford Hospital to uh, work with us, um, and we very much want... Uh, the best services for our patients. Um, this is a very complicated type of contract. It's, it's quite new and quite innovative, and we want to work with them. Um, clearly, it is very complicated from their point of view, and, the, the, uh, and I think we just want to make sure that they and us, we are entirely happy um, that everything is um, that, that everything is. Um, if you like, correctly lined up. Well, it didn't happen in October. It's not going to happen in April, we've discovered. Is it ever going to happen? Uh, yes, it, it will happen. Uh, when? So the contract um, is at the governing body, the, which is the board of the BCCG. Yesterday, we uh, agreed that the contract should be signed. Um, so the majority of services will be delivered as of 1st of April. Um, Bedford Hospital, we hope, will join um, at a later date. So, Bedford Hospital will still be providing those services themselves. You say you hope they join at a later date. Yes, there is a working group that's been convened, um, which brings together ourselves, Bedford Hospital, as well as Circle, who are the organisation who are um, managing the contracts on our behalf. And and there's a working group which we um, hope will uh, bear fruit uh, in in the next few months. You don't sound particularly confident that this is definitely going to go through. I think that there are. It is quite a challenging concept, um, and I think that it is uh, 
I think it is uh, very important that we get everything correct. Um, and I think I, I fully sympathize with Butler Hospital because this is something new for them. Um, so, no, I, I'm confident. I think that it is, it, it is difficult at the moment to predict um, what the timescales might be, um, given that the working group is, is, has only just begun its work. Um, but I'm confident it will um, come together. Bedford Hospital NHS Trust has been asking for the finer details of the contract and its service provision to be made clear for, for quite a while. Why hasn't the Trust been given the information and reassurance it needs? I think that the Trust... Um, I think that there has been information provided to the Trust. Um, from they've not had all the, tr- uh, the information that they've, they've, they've asked for, have they? Um, to the best of my knowledge, they have had um, as much as we are able to provide. I mean, clearly there are, um, there are, if you like, technical contractual documents which, I'm, um, w- which they perhaps have not... Um, received yet um, but I know we're working as hard as we can to make sure they have everything they need to be fully informed When do you think they'll have everything they need to be fully informed? Sorry? When, when do you think they will have everything they need? My understanding is that our colleagues are working with them um, at the moment to make sure they have everything they need so um, in the immediate future would be my feeling The Trust is worried that this could be the beginning of the end for Bedford Hospital Um uh, I don't see that this is uh, well. I don't see that this initiative is seeking um, to do that. We very much value Bedford Hospital. Oh, it's we not seeking to do it. I don't think I would argue it's seeking to do it. But you, you understand that if one service gets removed, then that could put pressure on others to be removed until eventually there's no hospital. Yes, um, we aren't seeking to remove the service from Bedford Hospital. Uh, Bedford Hospital provide um, musculoskeletal services for. Um, our patients, and we very much want Bedford Hospital to con- continue to provide musculoskeletal pa- uh, services for our patients. What this contract is doing is managing those services in a different way, um, whereby the um, organisation Circle um, manages the contracts for Bedford Hospital with Bedford Hospital on our behalf, as they will do with um, other hospitals which provide services for our patients, such as Luton and Dunstable, Eastern North Hertfordshire Trust, etc. Dr. Alvin Lowe, thank you very much uh, indeed. GP, GP in Biggleswade, uh, member of Bedfordshire's Clinical Commissioning Group. Well, listening to that is Ed Neal, Medical Director at Bedford Hospital. Morning, Ed. What did you make of what Alvin had to say? Uh, good morning. Um, well, it's it's very interesting. I think that the, the, the real crux of this issue um, is that we mustn't get confused over the fact that there are two contracts being discussed. And I think a lot of people probably think that there's only one contract. Um, the CCG, Bedfordshire CCG, commissioning with Circle and signing a contract with Circle to provide all the musculoskeletal services on behalf of the CCG. Um, Our concern is that we will be asked to sign a contract with Circle to provide some of those services. And what we don't know is exactly what Circle will be asking us for and more importantly, what they won't be asking us for and whether that will have any impact on patients or on staff. Are you stalling for time, Ed? Not at all, not at all. I mean, this uh, whole process was, was begun by the CCG um, almost a year ago now, and although we uh, were not the provide. Pro- preferred bidder when that was announced in August. Um, Through the autumn we have had um, a number of meetings but have also made a number of requests 
to both Circle and the CTG for, for the fine detail which will give us the reassurance that we need um, that this is going to not have a significant impact either on the patients of Bedfordshire, um, the uh, staff of Bedford Hospital or the other services that we provide because hospitals are very complex organisations and it's, it, it can, what we don't want to create is a house of cards. We want some, we want to make sure that the hospital maintains good foundations. And I- I- explain that to me. I did mention that to Alvin, that there are fears that this could have a domino effect which could lead to uh, a, a much reduced, if not closed, Bedford Hospital. How, how would that work? Well, this this contract is for the elective services, planned care. If you have a, a sore hip, say, um, to get your hip replaced. Um, it is not for the emergency services. If you fall over and break your hip, you need you, you, you will need exactly the same, pretty much the same operation, um, but you, we will deal with you as an emergency. Bedford Hospital is going to be continued to ask to deal with the emergencies. Our concern is that if we don't have the planned work coming through, the way the NHS is financed, we don't know whether we will have sufficient money to um, provide the emergency service. Um, if we, if the um, therapy services, physiotherapy and so on, um, if, if we lose sufficient staff because they, the Circle company or Horizon, the GP company, want to employ them, um, then that might have an impact on the number of staff we have to deal with emergencies. Um, if we don't have specific areas that we can offer training for to our junior doctors, um, then there is a risk of losing training, as we saw last summer with paediatrics. And all of these things we just want reassurance on uh, and the fine detail in writing so that we can say, yes, this is the way forwards. We're quite supportive, totally supportive of innovative ways of treating patients. Don't, we don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, we, we quite encourage it. Uh, and we encourage our consultants in all specialties to look for innovative ways. What we want to do is to, just to make sure that patients are safe now and for the future by the mo- in, in the model that is proposed. Ed, thank you very much. I'm just going to let Dr Alvin Lowe come back and respond to any of those points. Uh, Alvin, anything, any response? Uh, thank you very much. Um, yes, I think um, I just wanted to make it clear that patient choice must prevail in whatever system we have. So, and therefore, if patients choose to go to Bedford Hospital um, to have their hip or knee replacements, um, as I'd suggested, the, um, uh, the elective care, then patients will still be able to, irrespective of whatever contracts are signed. This is a very important principle, and we must always support um, patient choice Uh, and so unless uh, so I don't see that there should be a problem with um, elective surgery going on at Bedford Hospital Gentlemen, we're going to end it there. Thank you very much. last voice you heard uh, was Dr Alvin Lowe, GP in Biggleswade, member of Bedfordshire's Clinical Commissioning Group, and the other voice was Medical Director of Bedford Hospital, Ed Neal. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's two kind of um, sort of animal rights-ish stories in the newspapers today. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're both quite interesting, But and, and maybe I'm more interested because I am... Um, wolfing down the meat for the first time in 25 honestly the, you know people say oh vegetarianism makes you um, lethargic and makes you you know insipid and sleepy and depressed 
I've never bought into that argument until the day after I had the steak, and it was it was like I'd taken some kind of drug or something. I could see colours brightly. I remember driving into work. This is insane. I remember driving into work on Monday, the day after the steak, thinking, do you know what? There are no such things as bad decisions. I can't make a bad decision. Every decision I make will be a good decision. It's, it, it, oh, you sound like Gordon Gecko. I know, it's mental, isn't it? It's absolutely mental. So this is why I'm slightly more interested in these things. There's a story in uh, one of the papers. Again, I've lost it. What's going on with these newspapers? They keep hiding the stories from me. Anyway, basically, fashion, uh, fur is making a comeback. There is a fashion show where fur is uh, coming back, and uh, Rihanna is a big fan of fur. Kate Moss is a big fan of fur. And I just... Uh, Remember there was in the late was it the late nineties? Yeah. I'd rather go nude than rather go naked than wear fur. Wow, what a great post that was! And guys. a lot of women, famous women, did. Yeah, and and that was the thing. And there was all you'd hear stories of um, people having paint poured over them if they wore fur. Has that has that all gone? Even if you wore fake fur, you kind of got the, the no, paint I mean, on you. Peter is still putting out some quite. Um, Shocking advert. Who's Peter? Peter, people against for the ethical treatment of animals. I thought it was Peter. I thought it was Peter. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, those guys. Those people are still doing that. So they still feel strongly about it. I don't know. You've got people who are otherwise seen as being fairly strong moral role models like Beyonce. She's been wearing fur and all kinds of sort of endangered species made into trainers and stuff. Kelly Betts, would you ever wear... I can't find... You can hear, I'm not in, flipping through an infinite paper. I'm just going through... I can't find this flipping story anyway. Kelly Betts, would you ever wear fur? No. There's more information on Facebook if you wanted to have a look. What's the... What, but I don't know what the Facebook address is. Oh, it's facebook.com forward slash... 3CR? No. BBC 3CR? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Here it is. Fur flies over McQueen's show. Uh, um, the inspiration is Beauty and the Beast and Wild Romance. But by, uh, this was um, this is Sarah Burton, McQueen designer Sarah Burton. By swathing, swathing? Yes. Her models in supersized hooded fur coats, Miss Burton made it clear that fur is back on the fashion agenda. Didn't Sarah Burton dis, um, design Kate Middleton's wedding dress? Uh, yes, she did. The fur industry is fighting back, encouraged by its own crop of famous fur fans, including Kate Moss and Pop-Tart Rihanna, who just dresses like a prostitute. Oh. No, she does. She does. She sometimes dresses like one. <laughs> that makes it better, does well, it? There was a picture of her with a suit on the other day, and then they were moaning that her bum bag had a gun on it. There was so a, there was a picture... Win. No, she can't win. <laughs> not, there was a picture of her in a string vest. No brassiere. Yeah. I mean, she, disgusting. She does it to um, entice. It's not enticing. Papers. It's flipping horrible. Uh, the, the fashion blogger Simon Gla- uh, Glazin said, how can you be a fashion blogger? Jeez, go and do something less boring with your life instead. Those are the lyrics to Why Don't You? Yeah, I remember. Fashion blogger Simon Glazin said, he was appalled by Miss Burton's show. I gasped out loud when I trawled through the catwalk walk shots, he said. Huh? I was doing an impression of a gasp. <gasps> Not out of joy, but out of sheer horror at the amount of fur she decided to use. Blog, 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 blog. Question this morning, would you ever um, uh, wear fur? And does it matter if it's vintage? Because that's how I conned myself in the early yeah. 90s. Because I'd grown up with all that body shop stuff and friends falling into vegetarianism through vague, you know, they yeah. wanted to do something different, a bit like you. Um, but then I thought, oh, it's my mum's, it's from the 70s, it's already dead, I might as well wear it. And yet this morning... Uh, but but I wouldn't wear it now. This morning you're wearing leather hot pants, so... Yeah, but we've uh, eaten those. And a string vest with no brassiere. <laughs> the other, now the no other. string was harmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, with, with leather it's different because we do use other parts of the animal. Okay. With, with a mink or something like that, I don't think you can eat a mink. I've always wanted to make a fascinator out of a zebra's hoof. What? It'd look good, wouldn't it? 
The other meat story, the animal stories, in the front page of Times, stop ritual slaughter of animals, said top vet. Now, I know lots of Muslims and Jews listening to this. Basically, the, the, the top vet, there's a top vet, and to get there, you have to fight all of the other vets. It's the last vet standing. It's like Highlander. Exactly. I've never seen it, but I'm going to say... It's really good. It's rubbish, no. but it's really good. John Blackwell, who beat all the other vets in a fight to become uh, the top vet in this country, says that halal and uh, kosher meat, where they hang it upside down and slit its throat, is cruel. And it, it, this is kind of a debate that's rumbled on for a while, isn't it? Is, is um, uh, uh, whether you should be... I mean, the Western way of killing animals is you stun it so it's unconscious and then wham, you whack a bolt through its head. Sorry, kids, that's where your food comes from. Um, but it could be argued that's more humane than just slitting its throat while it's alive. And then, uh, uh, Mr. Blackwell, the vet, goes on to say, uh, we may well have to go down uh, the, the route of the Danes who've banned it. One of the Jewish politicians said it demonstrates that a continuing undercurrent of anti-Semitism still pervades in Europe. That's very emotive, isn't it? That's the difficulty with, uh, with engagement. Uh, and there is always the worry, oh, halal meat is bad. Oh, you're being anti-Muslim. Kosher meat, is, the way you do it is bad. Oh, you're anti-Semitic. There is kind of a knee-jerk reaction from various parties sometimes when you start to question the way that their meat is slaughtered. I don't know why people... Why do, the, do, do Jews and Muslims have to do it that way? What's the, what's the belief? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you say on that? Yes, Kelly Betts. Dennis is on the line. Oh gosh! I rang him and said, "Hi, Dennis. We're going to put you through because he rang earlier." Yeah. And he said, "Oh, you always catch me in a compromising position." Is that true, Dennis? Oh, I didn't say compromising. I you was, did. I was sitting down at the time. Well, oh. you can still be compromised oh, while sitting down, Dennis. Trust me. Now, just a minute before we go any further. I imagined you playing a game of Twister. Uh, no, <clears throat> I, I really wanted to talk to you, Ian, yes, about we... your um, conversion to meat eating. Okay, I'm going to get rid of these. There's a weird echo on your line. How do you, are, are you stood next to like an echoey thing? Like a, well, are you stood next to a ravine? I've turned the sound up so I can hear your beautiful voice. Are you on speakerphone? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, well, I suppose I am, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can go to the toilet and still talk to you. No, I don't, no, okay. Well, this is why like, we were. What do you mean you didn't know if you're on speakerphone or not? This is why your phone calls are always echoey. Are you always on speakerphone? Don't forget, I'm an old man and I've only so just to switch here? the light on. Pick up the phone, you lazy so and so, and talk to me. Yes, I'm talking to you right and look, now. And look, it's not. Oh, it's echoing a little bit. Your phone's rubbish. Go on, what do you want to say? Well, I wanted to say to you, when you were eating all this vegetation, yes. did you have something put in there to make it taste like meat? Um, not... V- uh, occasionally I'd have meat substitutes, but not very often. Occasionally, yes. The, the one thing I... Was, I worked in an office with a chap who was a vegetarian like you, and believe you me, it was ghastly. We didn't strike a light in the office, the bloody place had blown up. It was so full of methane. And do you do you realise, do you find people are avoiding you when you're on your vegetarian? I have to say, right, listen, you brought this into the conversation. I'm sorry if you've got young children listening. Be prepared to... <coughs> that, that mum, be prepared to take another picture of your, your kid's face. Since eating meat, and I'm going to use indoor language... Since eating meat, I have been doing the worst blow-offs I've done in a, in a lifetime. I mean, just, just incredible. Just, I've, never, I've never heard or smelled anything like it. Well, I don't understand that, because mine are sweet. <laughs> I mean, I think we ought to abort this conversation now. 
You're right, Cass. Are you crying because that's the end of uh, your producing career? Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's true. It's very rarely you say something that puts her head in her hands. It, oh, it's dear. absolutely true. Honestly, the the the, the my. Um, I think you've already said it. <laughs> <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Justin, just really meaty trumps. Mmm, I know what you're talking about, boss. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to try my steak and gorgonzola sauce. <laughs> you, I think you sent Kelly a video of that once, didn't you? Yeah, I think I did, actually. Yeah. Now, yes. <laughs> Thameslinks. <laughs> Come on. Control yourself, boy. Now, Ooh. this is serious stuff, Justin. Please focus, will you? I will. Thames, Thames Link's performance. Thames Link's performance is going to be reviewed by St Albans City and District Council on the day they show off their new rolling stock in Luton. whoop de doo mm. It's also the day after overhead line problems caused heavy delays for commuters. So we thought we'd let the commuters review Thames Link's performance themselves, didn't we, Just? Yeah, have I told you about my chicken curry? No. But, uh, no, yes. Um, I have been uh, talking to commuters this morning at Luton train station. We often hear, Ian, don't we, about long delays they have to suffer. So I've been down to the station this morning to, to kind of review the service to find out what they're saying about their, their journey to and from London and I started off by asking commuters about the longest delays they've had to suffer Four hours, five hours I mean it, sometimes you have to come back early from work because you know there's no other way of getting back We've, I've got buses, coaches back, I've got trains to another train in terms of letting us know as well there's not much of it, I mean I've sat in the train for over an hour and a half at one point and not one person has told us exactly what's happening so no announcements on the train no nothing no absolutely not no i can't say it's always been bad but the times it has been bad it's been really really bad um when it works okay it's fine but when it goes wrong it tends to go badly wrong um my biggest gripe with it as well is not only that it goes wrong but there's no information i could be stood at london bridge station for half an hour waiting for a train never finding out why i'm waiting for a train and then it'll just turn up no apology They, they seem to be very good at running trains that managed to be just under half an hour late so they don't have to pay any compensation but that's just me being cynical I think well so you're somebody travelling to London uh, using the service what five days a week is it really that bad here um, my honest opinion is not no um, th- there's times when trains are late but unfortunately th- these things happen is my view on it um, there's other ways of getting into London um, get on the bus if it's the end of the world that's, that's my honest view on it yeah. so when you're sitting on the train are you hearing people every single day moaning about the service uh, in the morning you struggle to get a smile out of people let alone a word so no no one's ever moaning there's a lot of grunting and groaning on the central platform but other than that no it's okay I think sounds lovely <laughs> well, listen enjoy that uh, that happy journey into work yeah thank you very much sir uh, the service here people are making it out to be absolutely dreadful
dreadful, some people. Is it really that bad? I don't think so. Exceptional. I've been travelling for the last 25 years, and there's actually been two catastrophic days, but they're weather-related. So, so two days in 25 years, and you're travelling five days a week? That's correct. Wow, it's incredible. Um, so if you were sitting in front of the bosses right now, mm-hmm. what would be your main point? What would you like to improve about the service? I think the cost. I've been working in the city for 25 years, but anyone starting out, and I don't think for a person starting on their first job can actually afford the salary. It's too much. So how much are you paying every year to travel to and from London? Approximately 4000 plus. In fact, it's got to the point where I was suggesting last week to somebody as a joke that maybe I should start a, a small taxi service. You can actually make it affordable. I can start, I can start running a minicab service from here, yeah. get some people carriers. Watch this space. You're clearly a businessman. If you don't mind me asking, what do you do for a living? Um, investment analyst. Yeah. I would suggest he doesn't open with that one if he's going to do a stand-up set. <laughs> but mixed mixed response. Absolutely. I mean, we, we often hear, don't we, these horrible stories about people stuck in London, they can't get home, delays on the trains. We had delays yesterday on the service as well. Um, but I think, you know, on the whole, a lot of people, they're saying, well, yes, nine times out of ten, when I get down to the train station, I can get to and from work okay. But when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong and information certainly lacking. Just what you're, where are you off to next? Well, I can do one or two things for you. Talking yep. about uh, fur this morning, two topical stories. Would you ever wear fur? Or I can talk about halal meat and uh, ask people, is it cruel? It's entirely up to you. Let's go to the producer, Catherine Boyle. Producer Catherine Boyle, do you want Justin to do fur or halal? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I reckon go for. I reckon go for fur. Yes, okay. yes. Go for the fur one. Let's see how we get. We get. We get with that. Justin, speak to you later on. Excellent stuff as always. So we've been talking uh, about Beth Warren, who is going to the High Court today for the right to keep her husband's her dead husband's sperm for longer. He died a couple of years ago, uh, just under a couple of years ago. She's got his sperm, but she only has until April to decide uh, whether she can use it or not. So she wants to uh, change that. She's got a bit longer. What, what do you think about that in general? Anne's in St Albans. Morning, Anne. Hello, Ian. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I feel very, very sorry for her because it's a relatively recent loss. And I get the feeling that the battle has taken over from the grieving and that she actually feels she's not ready because she hasn't grieved yet. And I probably agree with her on that. I think we've already gone established the moral argument years ago when they started using allowing these techniques to be used. So I think the moral argument on her part's out of the window. Well, the, the, but the techniques, the techniques were, were, were used um, for, for, to uh, impregnate women when their husbands were still alive. Yeah. The, to doing it for for, uh, uh, for someone who's passed away, it, it does. Uh, it leaves me scratching my head a little bit as to what exactly what the ethics around that are. Well, yes, I know. It's a very hard thing. You know, Is it fair on the children? Uh, probably not. But there again, we can't judge that. We, You know, she could meet somebody absolutely perfect in a few years' time and start a new family herself. And I hope that she's able to find the happiness and do that. But then if she, meet, if she meets... You know, we're talking about her hypothetically. Yeah, if she meets someone else and she has children from her first husband, uh, her deceased husband... That, w- that, that may not be fair on the children. It may also not be fair on, on the new partner she finds. I can understand that point of view, but I really do, do think that we are not in a moral place to be able to say what's right for that particular lady. No, I mean, no. I couldn't do it, no. but I'd already completed my family, so that, that's a totally different ballgame. But I feel that she hasn't yet had time to grieve, as with anybody in her circumstance, and that um, 
this deadline is unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world if um, she can't do it. So she, um, are you arguing that she she should get more time? The High Court should rule that she get she has more time to make this decision. I would I would prefer to think that yes, yeah. because otherwise she's going to feel terribly cheated, and it's going to be piling agony upon agony. And you're right; it's it's still a recent uh, loss for her, and she sounds like she struggled with with her husband and her brother dying very close together. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to lose someone you think is going to be with you forever, your life partner. Yes, I know, and this is the whole thing. Trying to hang on the, onto the past is a mistake, and I think she's very wise to actually say, what are my motives for doing this? This is why I need time. Um, and it might well be that in a few months or a couple of years' time, the grieving process has taken over and it's gone through, and she'll look at the same problem, but she'll look at it from a totally different perspective. But I do think she needs to have the time given to her. Off a complete tangent, Anne, would you ever wear fur? Yes, I would. Why? Uh, well, A, to keep warm. Yeah. I don't really have a moral objection uh, to using fur. Um, we use meat, we have our animals, we farm them, and I think that if you use fur, it should be properly farmed, properly regu- regulated, but as on the basis of need to use it, rather than the basis of decorating models' backs with it. Uh, we need to produce fur for, for living in cold countries. We get occasionally get that sort of weather. But the wholesale fur farming for fashion, I do not agree with at all. And thank you very much indeed. It's an interesting... I worked in uh, uh, Montreal in Canada once. It's where uh, Angelina Jolie kissed me and said she thought I was funny. And they're it, it, flipping freezing. And they're all in furs over there. And I kind of said to someone, do you, do you not have the uh, anti-fur lobby here? They said, well, no, 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 of course we don't. We need, it may have changed, I mean, this was years ago, we need the fur to keep warm. And I guess if you're killing animals for food, what's the difference of killing animals for clothes? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. Now Sheila in St Albans uh, has called in. You've got an idea. Well, what, what have you got for us, Sheila? Well, you know you have the um, prettiest village competitions. Yes, and things like they're that. nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wondered about having the worst litter area. Oh, go on. Um, come off the M25, coming from Enfield, so it's Junction 22. Yes, I know ju- that junction very well, yes. Yes, as you come off and you sit there waiting at the roundabout, you look to your right, yeah. you'll see loads of litter. Oh. It's awful. On the other hand, if you go on the 414 through Hatfield, as if you're going to Hartford, and you come to the Tesco's area... If you look to your right, there are bags and all sorts of things. It looks a little bit like if you've gone up to the mountains where those prayer villages are, you know, those old prayer flags, Tibetan prayer, prayer flags. Oh, and there's a load of litter around it. Yeah, and there's, and there's, there's all these bits of plastic sort of in the I, row. You remind, I went to, uh, when we went to Japan years ago, we went to this uh, wonderful island whose name escapes me, uh, and we climbed all the way up to the top of this, this mountain. It wasn't, proper, it wasn't like rock climbing, but we climbed all the way up, and it was really hot, and it was, it was awesome, it was beautiful. Uh, and there was a couple of plastic bottles there. And I was like, oh, we can't leave these here, we'll, we'll take these. And then I couldn't find anywhere to get rid of them. There were no bins, and every time I went to kind of put them down, some uh, tough Japanese people would, would give me uh, skunk eye. And uh, as if to say, don't you, don't you dare put it in the voice, don't you dare put it there. And so I ended up carrying these bottles for, all day. 
felt terribly responsible. But you're right, there are some awful little verges. And, and mm. should we should we start a little phoning campaign, Sheila? Yes, I think so. Do I mean, maybe we can get the worst area, and maybe and just maybe somebody from the council might. I, ah. I have to say, yes. I am quite ashamed of when I've sat there and looked at it. And Tesco's, I mean, the Tesco's one, it must be all their bags blow across. Yeah. And that, this isn't just happened today, it's happened many a time. Do you never feel like going and picking up yourself? I do, I do. But, I mean, there must be, there must be plenty of areas where um, they can get it organised for people to do it or whatever. But um, I did, I must admit, there was a, I travelled on the A414 quite regularly when I was working, and very often what they'd do is they'd cut the grass and then you'd see all this litter. Yeah. And and that would be there for ages, and I had a word with the council, and eventually they turned around and they said, well, we've now got it sorted, we've now got them uh, cutting the grass and then picking the litter up straight away, because I said, I'd rather see the grass longer. It seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, and I, just, I just feel slightly ashamed, I'm afraid. We need more criminals. Because well, yes. they, they, send, they send criminals out, don't community service. Yes. You, you'll often see them in their, their fluorescent jackets um, going and picking up the litter. We need more of that. Yes, we do. Kelly? Or we just need more... Uh, pr- take more pride in our community and pick it up ourselves. Or oh, don't even throw it out of the car window. Yeah. Oh, exactly, that's it. Yeah, because it's only it's only people in cars who who would be able to do that. I mean, there'd be nobody walking on the M25, would they? Walking off. Sheila, can we make you the patron saint of um, our uh, Clean Up Beds, Hearts and Bucks campaign? Definitely. You're, you're, you're right. Sheila, we're gonna, we'll speak to you again. Thank you very much for that. Excellent point well made. I've got no idea who that is over there. You, Kelly Betts. Mm. What did you say? When? People need to take more pride in their communities. Yes, they do, and pick up their... Re- and I agree. In the first place, or pick up other people's if they're right. really that upset. C- Catherine, I produce. told her a schoolgirl off the other day. I didn't tell her off. I charmed, Tough guy, huh? I, I charmed her. Tough guy. She was uh, showing Stop off... It. She was showing Stop off it. some boys. Stop it! And uh, in the midst of showing off, she dropped her sandwich wrapper on the floor. How was she, what was she showing off, exactly? She was just swanking. And you told her off for that. She was doing that kind of, you know, she was standing there, one leg slightly bent, doing that whole, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so she dropped it and I said, oh, excuse me, sorry, I think you've dropped something. And she went, oh, oh, uh, okay. Well, and then I heard laughter as I walked away, but I didn't care. Okay, would you have done it to a 26-year-old hoodie? Yeah. I'm quite brave no, when I've got my you, kids with me because I've got mum power. Oh, so you've you got your kids involved with a potential no, knife I, fight with a thug. And I, and I give them a winning smile and I, I don't, you know, I don't... Um, you're from the north. You're, you're hard. I just, I just try <laughs> right. to be, you know, I just try to be sweet about Let's, it. Should we, we, we need a name and indeed a shame and indeed a photographic frame. Uh, that we, right, we want to find like the, the dirtiest, grubbiest bits of beds, hearts, and bucks. It's got to be verges. So it's got to be verges. It's got to be. Call it virgin on the ridiculous. Um, no. Ooh. No. Oh. No. Call me now. No. Oh, wait, four five. No. We four double five five double five. five. No. We need pictures. Yeah, we need evidence. This is what I'm saying. This guys. is what I'm saying. No, I just said guys. it. We need photographs. We need we photo- pictures of them. Yes. We photos. need to make a wall of shame. Yeah, we need to get some photos. By, by me asking for people to send in pictures of dirty verges, you are we? Am else. I? Am I um, um, disappearing up Wally Webbs? No. No, it's not too parochial. We BBC Radio Sussex. We need to give it a snappy title. Don't we? We need some photos. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, let's find some dirty verges. Take some photos, please. It's got a slogan. Where do they send them, Ian? They send them to ian.lee at bbc.co.uk or 3cr at bbc, let's have it now, dot gmail dot com. tweeters, tweeters. Yeah, why not? Whatever. It's not going to work, is it? Yes, it is. Call me now. We're at 459 I've got it. I know what we're going to call it. Right. We're going to call This is excellent. So, we want pictures of your dirty verges. You can Facebook us. You can tweet us. We're going to start a campaign and we're going to call it Virgin on the Ridiculous. Great idea. Yeah. You like it, guys? Cat, yeah. you like? Am I invisible? You, you like? Who? So, Virgin on the Ridiculous. It's a new feature here. We want pictures of your dirty verges. Send them in to us. Post them on Facebook. Let's clean up these three counties. Yeah! We've had a text from Steve. Somebody keeps filling water bottles with apple juice and dumping it by the M1 Junction 11. What's all that about? I wouldn't drink that apple juice, Steve. I'm not going to tell him, but just, just, just do not touch the apple juice. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. This morning we're talking to the widow, fight, or talking about the widow, fighting for time to bear her late husband's children. Bedford Hospital bosses are fighting for time to save services. And people are fighting people who fight for the right to party and wear fur whilst they're... Uh, yeah. Would you wear fur? What about it? Yeah, but why are you having a conversation with me off air? They can't hear you. I don't feel like saying it. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I know. Oh, wait, 459-455-555 is the phone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. And send us your pictures of your dirty verges. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Virgin on the Ridiculous. It's a great campaign name, what I came up with. I'm a fast, I'm a fast thinker. It's not how I remember that panning out. I think it's a great uh, feature name. Well Th- done. Thank you, Kelly. Sometimes you've just got to, when the pressure's on, you've just got to rise to the challenge, and I really did that there. Yeah, credit where credit's due. Exactly, Catherine. You're absolutely right. Now, a Newport Pagnall woman will find out later whether she'll be allowed more time to bear her late children. Her late, sorry, her late husband's children. It's an important part of the story, otherwise it's a completely different story altogether. Warren Brewer had a sample of his sperm frozen before undergoing treatment for cancer. Sadly, he didn't survive, but his widow, Beth, thought his wishes for her to use the sample in her own time had been made clear. Well, it turns out that the paperwork suggests something otherwise. We can talk now to Beth's solicitor, James Lawford-Davis, who's a partner at Lawford Davies Danoon Solicitors. Uh, morning, James. Good morning. Remind us exactly what's at stake for Beth here. Well, she has asked the High Court to issue a declaration that would allow her late husband's sperm to remain in storage for longer than it's currently allowed to, to be kept. So at the moment, the paperwork allows it to be kept until spring next year. But she would like more time than that. So we've asked for a further extension for a longer period to allow her to, to what, decide what to do. Why is she not allowed to do that at the moment? Why does she have to go to court about this? Because the last forms that Warren filled in before he died didn't explicitly consent to storage for beyond 10 years. 
uh, and because there wasn't a written medical opinion before he died saying that his fertility would be adversely affected by the treatment that he was receiving. So she's in the High Court today. The decision's being passed down at, at, at two o'clock, I believe. That's right. What can happen? They either say yes or no, basically. I think so, yes. It's always difficult to predict what judges will say in detail, but uh, either the judge will be convinced by the arguments that that we put forward in court last month, or um, the sperm will have to be destroyed next spring. If she loses today, what what other options are, are open to her? Well... It would be. It may be possible for us to appeal against the decision. So this is a decision of the the family court in, in the High Court of Justice in London, and we could possibly take the case to the Court of Appeal. Another option would be for her to apply to the regulator for permission to take the sperm outside the UK for treatment elsewhere. Um, but there are only a limited range of options in terms of the countries where Beth could go for treatment, and she's very reluctant to do that unless she absolutely has to. Uh, it, w- will this ruling have implications for other people? W- w- will the judge say anything about the current legal situation on this issue? She may do. Uh, again, it's it's a little difficult to predict, and the, the facts of this case are very specific, mm. and so I wouldn't want people to think that this does have very broad implications, because Beth's situation is quite unusual, and the forms and the paperwork involved are very specific and particular to Warren's circumstances. We spoke to Beth this morning, and uh, it, 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 she sounds very stressed. It, it must have been a, a, a tough time for her, especially building up to today. It's been extremely tough for her, and I'm amazed at how strong she's been and how she's kept herself together throughout the legal process, because as well as, as you may have heard from her this morning, as well as losing her husband, she also lost her brother. Mm. And to have to deal with that in in such close proximity and fight a very complex, uh, stressful legal battle, I think has been really tough. Any inkling as to how the win's going to go today, James? Do 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 you think that you could win this? Well, we, we, we wouldn't. We've had a brilliant legal team with a QC and two other barristers. All of us have been working pro bono on this, and we wouldn't have taken the case as far if we didn't think that there were good prospects of success. But it's, it really is impossible to tell what, which way the judge is going to go, and, and she certainly didn't give any indication in the hearing last month. So we're just hoping for the, what we think is the right outcome today. James, thanks for your time. We'll certainly be watching this uh, with interest. The uh, judgment gets passed down at 2 o'clock today. And uh, we'll see what happens. That's James Lawford-Davis, a partner at Lawford-Davis Danoon Solicitors. Beth's solicitor. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, yeah! What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Shall we look at the front page of the newspapers? Yeah, let's. Let's do that, yeah. No one says, okay, yeah, anymore. Did, it, did anyone ever really actually say okay, yeah? So what are they called? Um, Sloan Rangers. Sloan Rangers. Oh, yeah, you're right. Tony Fisher does say it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he does, doesn't he? Is he a Sloan Ranger back Yeah, in the he day? is. He's the closest we got. Diana was a Sloan Ranger, wasn't she? Yeah. I'm not quite sure what it, what it meant. Um, they wore loafers. These days they'd wear salmon coloured jeans. Oh, for God's sake. What is that about? The red, the red trousers? Or, or mustard. Oh, jeez. What what does yuppie stand for? Young, up-and-coming professional persons, or something like that. Well, that would be... Hello. Yeah, it's one of those where they Yum have an Yum boy. Young, up-and-coming... Which I think is happening a year in Chinese. Young Kang Pong Pai. No, that's not. That's, that's close. If I were to say that to a Chinese man um, around, you know, whenever they have New Year, April, Young Pong Kong Pai... It was last month. They're crazy, aren't they? I'm not saying, saying 1.6 billion people are crazy, but flip it heck. 
if, if I was to say it last month to a, a Chinese man, Young Pong Kung Pai, he'd go, oh, he, oh yeah, Happy New Year back to you. He'd get it. Do you think? He'd get it. It's close enough to get it. Kelly, you're not Chinese, are you? Um, no. Okay, well, I, the, the, the test would be, it would be moot on you then. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. If you are Chinese, would you like to ring in and set him straight? Yeah, if we've got any Chinese people listening, very bi- I'm very big with the Chinese. Chi- well, the Chinese love me. 08459 555 A male wish you kompong jong boy. Oh, I'll have some of that. Oh, now, come on. Shirley's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Shirley. Good morning, Ian. What, what would you like to say to me? Do you speak Chinese? No, no oh. way, no, That's no, a shame. No. I'm looking for, really looking for a Chinese speaker this morning. Sorry, can't oblige. Okay, what, what can you oblige me with, Shirley? Um, you were talking about the rubbish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Dirty verges. Yes. Well, this is not less, not really a verge that I'm saying about. It's in the Agora Car Park at Wolverton. Yeah. Um, at the back of the trees, there's like a, 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 a space there between the trees and the church wall. Yeah. And people keep throwing their bags of rubbish oh. in there. And when I, I actually sort of like one day this week walked past there and there was about at least half a dozen carrier bags full of rubbish and it's just left there and I actually saw somebody one day throw their black sack of rubbish full of rubbish oh dear in there and I wasn't going to say anything because for one thing I wasn't actually close enough no but not only that he was a rather large man yeah (laughs) and I thought no I sort of really didn't like the look of him and um, I thought no I'm not going to say anything what are you doing Shirley in the gap between the back of the woods and the I, wall of the church. Why are you, it, what are you doing there? Smoking or something? No, I don't smoke. Go there for a quick no, fag. No, it's up by the um, the alley that you go up to go into the church. Oh, OK, so you get, you get to see it. Yes, yes, it's, it's, it's very visible. We talk it's about litter disgusting. from... We talk, it, it, no, it is disgusting. We talk about litter from time to time, and it's one of those things... I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but I hate... I've, I've always hated it. There's, ne- there's never any reason... Just round the corner... Well, there's, a, there's a dirty verge round here. There's a dirty verge here, isn't there, Kath? There are loads of dirty verges. As you drive in, what's been deposited by the entrance to the BBC Three Counties car park? Oh, well, I thought that there was someone who was bringing the indoors out, you know, like um, Dermot Gavin does in the, gardens. There's a sofa and a bed. Can you believe that, Shirley? Oh, I, I, you know, I don't disbelieve anything these days. People just, there's no, I mean, when, when my children were small and we went out for the day, we always brought, if there wasn't any bins, we always brought our rubbish home. Mm. Always. Even to the point of bringing dirty nappies home when the children were babies. And guess who I saw asleep on that sofa outside in the street this morning as I drove in. <laughs> Justin, <okay>. Justin Dealey. <laughs> Justin Dealey was fast asleep. He had his uh, leather jack pulled over him <laughs> and he was he was Sparco, Shirley. I guess that's what you yeah, were going to say. Yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> Shirley, thank you for that. Excellent stuff. Yeah, I believe you've written a song for uh, my campaign, Verging on the Ridiculous. It's more of an anthem. Okay, well, let's, let's have a little bit of it then. Okay, can we have a bit of echo? I don't know if it works on you, but try. Hello? A one. Oh, yes. A one. Two, two. Two, two. Okay, let's do it. <coughs> Dirty verges. Clean for the very last time. <laughs> Woo! Dirty verges. Pick your stuff up. You filthy swipes.
They're now choreographing a dance routine to go with that. Oh, Sounds like a lot of fun. Count me in. Yes. I'm contractually obliged to be counted in, but even if I weren't, I would. Right. Yes. Gosh, you've got your shirt done up quite high, haven't you? Is this all part of your... Uh, what's some of, what's, what's show a bit more of your chest. You want some of that? One, That's one a button? bit better, yeah. No, no, no not any more, but... No, see oh, that bad boy? Lord. You want to see that? Look, if I just rub it. Yeah? <sighs> no? That's not working for you? No. I'll cover that up. No. Okay, right, that's it. It's... Uh, no, it worked a little bit, didn't it? Sure. You're blushing, <laughs> and you can't give, make eye contact. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> You can't take me to a tribunal for that, I'm afraid, Jonathan. That right. Isn't it. it was a really uncomfortable moment then. You just basically got one of your man breasts out yep, yep. in the studio while I'm sitting here. Yep, yep. I just came down to talk about my show. And I thought that's what you were encouraging. Just exposed yourself to me. I thought that's what you were encouraging. So I, I think it's whoever gets in with the complaint to the boss's first wins. Right. So you tell me what's going on in your show. I just need to... <laughs> Send an email. Send an email. Dear Laura. Dear Laura. JBS came to the studio. Told me to take my clothes sexually off. <laughs> Beat you to it. Right. What, what's on the show this morning? Well, it was something you mentioned actually during your, your paper review. Yes. And it's something that we've spoken about on my programme very recently. But the argument seems to be gaining some momentum mm. and things are moving on. The president of the British Obvious. Veterinary Association has said if Muslims and Jews don't stop the ritual slaughter of animals, the government should step in and ban it. Strict religious slaughter, halal for Muslims, kosher for Jews, requires that animals are not stunned before their throats are slit. More than 60,000 animals bleed to death in religious abattoirs in Britain every week. And this is the first time the Veterinary Association has called for a ban in this way. Well, from nine this morning, I want us to discuss this. I know that uh, when we've talked about it previously, people get very, very heated. It's a subject that really does engage with people on both sides of the argument. But do you agree with Britain's top vet that religious slaughter should be banned? 08459 455 555. We'll discuss it on the big phone in at nine. You know, I've started eating meat after 25 years of vegetarian. I heard this. I I almost feel like I judge you a little bit when you say that. I bet you do. This is why I've kind of kept it quite under the radar. Mm. And I I, I thought today I'm going to come out. I'm doing it for two weeks and then I'm going to make a decision. In what way are you judging me? Negatively, I I, I guess. Uh, Only because it just, it seems, the fact you're doing it for two weeks, you know, surely you're either a vegetarian or yep. you're not yep. and this idea of kind of trying it for two weeks I mean what, what are you, why are you trying it I'm trying it to see if I like it it turns out I do like it and I'm also trying it to, to, to see if I can sit comfortably with the, the reason I go at meat was the ethical thing okay I don't think you should but that, that's, the, that's the point isn't it what, yeah. have you just forgotten your ethics no 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 not at all I'm, I'm doing it to see if I can sit comfortably with uh, that compromise of my ethics. People are allowed to change and develop and grow yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. things like that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do it for two weeks, and at the end of that, I'm going to contemplate uh, my future. I, I'm not a vegetarian at this moment. I, I wouldn't be, pretend to say that I was, but I'm going to contemplate. But how do you it. feel? Because I, I have a friend who is a vegetarian, yeah. and she tried chicken mm. because, uh, well, largely. I just had a go at her all the time. And in the end, she said, I'm going to try chicken. She tried chicken and she cried afterwards. She sat at the table and she cried because she'd eaten a piece of chicken. Oh, for goodness sakes. Why? Oh, love, come on. Don't cry. No? That animal wasn't murdered. Listen to you. I'm (laughs) I'm changing my argument. (laughs) That animal wasn't killed specifically for you. 
I don't have a good argument for it. I don't. Have, I, I can't particularly justify th- th- this transition, but it's. It, it's. I can't particularly justify, it, which is why I need to, to to do it for a control Did period. Did you feel though that you were not healthy then as a vegetarian? You- no, I felt healthy, but I have to say, after having the steak on Sunday, the next day I, I felt. I, I really. It gave me a boost of iron and protein that I have not had ever. I felt incredible the next day. Do you feel like a man? I, f- I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight and punch and make love and draw and create and Is that why run. you nearly took your shirt off? Yes! I had, I had burgers last night. See, this is the thing. I mean, it's not even as if you're just dipping your toe no, I'm going back for into it. your, no. you know, burgers, Homemade burgers. I'm not going to go and eat rubbish meat. I'm, gonna, I'm right. having lamb on Saturday. Lamb? I mean, lamb is the cutest of all the animals. That's the one I I struggle with eating lamb. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna struggle. Uh, yeah, I can't. And when I'm eating it, I'm eating it with my eyes closed and I'm sniffing the plate as well and getting that because it's all the there's a whole you know world of sensations that are new to me. Right. I'm struggling with it and it's now and I wasn't going to put it on Twitter. It's now on Twitter and I will get a load of abuse from from vegetarians and things. But you know, people, I, I've never I've never been one of those vegetarians that that tutted at, at meat eaters. I never judged meat eaters, and I hope that my um, brothers and sisters in the uh, vegetarian community, my now distant cousins, will... Uh, They'll hate you. Yeah, I'm hoping they don't. They'll, no, they will. Yeah. They're an aggressive bunch. There's probably a lot of vegetarians listening to the programme who hate you now. Yeah, they switched off to heart. Sorry about that. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. very much indeed uh, JVS he'll be on at nine o'clock now last month we told you how Bedford hospital bosses were concerned that a decision to partly privatize musculoskeletal services could mean they lose other services one by one they told us it was a real threat to the hospital's future well now we hear the consortium of private companies and NHS bodies which is supposed to be taking over treatments like hip and knee replacements on April the 1st hasn't supplied enough information so the trust won't sign the contract William Thomas is the branch secretary for Unison at Bedford Hospital. Morning, Ian. Morning. The trusts don't want this to happen, do they? Do, do you think they're, they're dragging their feet to buy time? Um, obviously, for Unison, we've got very serious concerns about the current situation. The contract was signed off, obviously, um, late summer uh, last year. Um, it's very disturbing to hear that we're still in a position where grassroots staff are still, are un- still will be unsure of their, of their, of their future employment uh, um, uh, perspective, um, and the trust seem to be in a bit of limbo. Um, we need the trust to be open and transparent as, as much as ever, um, as soon as possible with the current update as to how Bedford Hospital sits. We're, we're early March, um, we're only a few weeks away from the 1st of April, which was the target date for this contract to go in place. It's not happening on the April the 1st now, that's, that's been confirmed well, today. That, yes, so obviously we're, we're no further on than we were before. Um, obviously, you know, we, uh, Unison and Bedford Hospital commissioned an independent re- report last year from John Lister, which actually raised this in the report at the time, which obviously is now coming to, in our, from our perspective, coming, coming to light. <laughs> Ian, what are, your con- what are your concerns about the, the, the changes, though, that this will bring? Why, why are you so worried about it? Because we feel it's the first steps towards potential privatisation within the health service. You know, we want um, 
uh, 24-7 healthcare at, at grassroots level at source. We want to be able to come into Bedford Hospital, as we do now, and be offered the same services. We don't want fragmented or, or services that for monetary reasons are going to be stripped away and possibly um, us as stakeholders, as, as, as residents of Bedfordshire, and Bedford particularly, um, potentially having to look to, to other trusts to receive that treatment. That's not what we want in this area. Are jobs safe under the, the uh, new contract, Ian? Well, that's obviously a worrying state as well. Obviously, whenever there's a contract takeover, and especially in the health service, historically, um, it hasn't been it hasn't been very good. Obviously, staff are worried um, across the board. Uh, musculoskeletal services in the trust, if they if they were either reduced or uh, uh, heaven forbid removed from the trust, taken away elsewhere, then obviously. Um, the trust would not be in the same position viably to offer the same service, which would undoubtedly mean jobs at risk. These delays that are taking place, are, are they having an effect on hospital services, do you think? Will, will patients notice? It's all about the patients ultimately, isn't it? It's always about the patient. It's always about the patient. And whilst the patients will, will obviously arrive at Bedford Hospital and receive the best care possible, as they always have and always will do, um, in, from the backroom side and as a, as, a, as a stakeholder and an employee of this trust, it is worrying in the longer term. But we've got to, as Unison are at the forefront of campaigning so that this concern is always at the, the top of the agenda so that we keep everybody informed, the, the community, employees, and obviously the, um, um, expect, the expectation that management are transparent and, and are communicating with us truthfully. What, finally, Ian, what, what would you like to see happen now? I would like to see that the the, uh, the transparency of where we are with Circle, so the trust obviously are working hard behind the scenes, you would expect, um, and some kind of um, expectation on um, what's going on, because obviously at the moment, Bedford Hospital's position is, um, honestly, in, we feel we're in a precarious position, and there needs to be some reassurance, and that can only come from the top. Ian, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Ian Thomas, Branch Secretary for Unison at Bedford Hospital. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Got some uh, dirty verges. I don't like the way this has changed from verging on the ridiculous to dirty verges. You started the latter. I, I, I brought up verging on the ridiculous, but apparently that wasn't good enough until you said it. What? <laughs> yeah. Just to say... What are you talking um, about? I've tweeted the lyrics to our Dirty Virgin yeah. song. If anybody anthem. does... Anthem. anthem. Anthem, sorry. Hit. Hit. If anybody does want to see them and then yeah. call and join in with the song, they're more than welcome. I... 459 555 at BBC3CL. You're right, Catherine. It was your suggestion to call it Virgin on the Ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't think that's really taking off, so I'm going to go with my suggestion to call it Dirty Virgins. I think I'm probably going to take Dirty Verges. Well, you can that. open that can of worms and I'll stand well back. How about that? The, the, well, you're because pro- you're producing. the tweets are already coming in. Have you seen them? No. Well, Dirty Verges. There's not a lot of grass going on, is all I'm saying. Dirty Verges, a hashtag, might work better. Y- yeah, yes. yeah, okay, okay. Characters. W- w- why are you sat back too? Have you, have, from the, let me just describe... Have seen the feel for getting... Let me just describe... Let me just describe what you did. She pushed herself away, two foot away from the microphone crossed her arms and did a really she's doing a really smug nodding dog face mm-hmm. oh yes you're like Churchill that's my mum face that's the go on then I dare you well we're calling it Dirty Verges it's my idea it's yeah a good idea. his idea 
Look with that. <laughs> she is literally backing away from what you're saying. Yeah. I'm distancing myself. Distance yourself from that. Oh, she's oh, gone. She's she hit the wall. <laughs> We've got some text in on Dirty Virgins. We'll get to those, John and Paul. We'll get to those in a minute. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give us a call this morning, then we, uh, do it, I suppose, really, is the, uh, the instruction. We've got some texts. Dirty Verges. We're looking for your Dirty Verges. Paul says the 414 Hatfield Tesco's is the worst place for rubbish and Tesco should be made to clean it up. When I was growing up, I lived in Valley Road, St Albans, and St Albans Council supplied a skip for residents to fill. So all the local adults and kids had a fun day going into Beach Bottom Dyke. That's, that's an interesting name, isn't it? Clearing all the rubbish. Well, me, we, me and my friends had good fun. Good community day. John from Datchworth says, uh, here we go, the same one. Uh, Verges, near the A414 Tesco, Dirty Verge site is a new housing building site and opposite the site entrance across the road there are loads of large polystyrene insulation blocks about the size of car doors blown there from the building site and obviously waiting for Wellin and Hatfield Council to pick up at the taxpayer's expense, which is why the local authority not making the house builder rectify the obvious eyesore. Why is, oh why is, okay, I've got that in there. Uh, South African Jim from Cyprus is on the line. Morning, Jim. Good morning, uh, Ian. How are you? You forgot my name for a second, Jim. Uh, sorry. It was uncomfortable, uncomfortable for everybody. Please forgive me. Uh, you, are, you are forgiven. Yeah, uh, I think there's something behind your, um, uh, your vegetarianism. I think you're fasting under orders by the missus. What? Uh, last Monday was Clean Monday. Yes. For the Greek Orthodox Church. Yes. 50 days before Easter. Yeah, oh yeah. Our Easter this year, as you know, is with the Catholic and the COV as well. Yes, exactly. You've managed to align it, yes. So if you want to go to Greece this year, it's going to cost you a fortune, oh, obviously. man, I think because I'm working. Yeah, working. It's, yeah. I, I think I'm working there. I, do you know, I think for Easter, I think rather we're going to the uh, holy site of Euro Disney. In Paris, yeah, to, to worship. The yeah, to, no, we're leaving the kids behind. It's just no, we're taking the kids with us to worship at the altar of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Brilliant. Have a good time, all of you. Yeah. But anyway, Greek fasting is olives, uh, pickled celery. Oh, wow! Uh, all pickled stuff, uh, olives, tomatoes. Uh, lettuce, loads and loads of bread, olive oil, and lemon. Yeah. That kind of stuff, you know, coriander. I've got a rocket. joke. I've got a joke that I wrote. In, yeah. It's a Greek joke, okay? Yeah. And I think this okay. joke is brilliant, right? Yeah. And I need my team to finish because the, 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 they need to be part of this. Because I think this joke is great. Hey, team, are you with me, right? Right. Go this on. is a Greek joke. Is this going to be offensive? Um. Now, if you speak Greek, I'm sorry. No, the word the word uh, for stop in Greek. Is Sorry, the, the word for the stop? The word for stop in Greek, Jim, is stomata. Stomata, uh, bravo. Right. Okay. Right. So this is the joke. So I say in a, it's in a slight accent. Uh oh. I say this to you, Jim. Right, and you're going to be yeah, my, yeah, you're yeah. going to be kind of um, my um, Ernie Wise, my um, Sid Little, right? <laughs> my Tommy Cannon. Here we go. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. What's stomata? Matter no, is no. You say no. You just say uh, you say stop. Nothing. No, nothing. No. Nothing's no. Nothing's the matter. No, Jim. You ruined it. You say stop. Right. Okay. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stop. Okay. Jim, what's the matter? Stop. The, but no, I'm just asking. What's the matter? 
Nothing. No, you can't. No, Tim, you can, the thing is, you so have to. Do you want to do it on me? No, because you're not Greek. No, you, have to keep say, uh, you have to keep saying stop. Stop. Right? Stop. Okay. Stop. Jim? Jim? Yeah. Yes? What's the matter? Stop. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just asking, what's the matter? Stop. All right, calm down, fella. I just want to know, what's the matter? Nothing. Nothing's no, about you don't. Ah, no, uh, he killed it. <laughs> Jim, thank you very much indeed. That's a good joke, yeah? Do you know what my uh, kid's favourite yeah? joke is at the moment? Hang on a second. You just brushed over my joke. Well, well you know, I think it's best. How many knock, jokes... Knock. How many... Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cats. No! No, no I'm supposed to do it. I know, but I... No, but back, back to the spotlight on me. How many others of you have written jokes in foreign languages? None of you have. I've got one in Spanish. Did you write it? No. No, you see. Well, yeah, all right, we'll say yes. Okay. Spanish man's in a shop looking for socks. This is in English. Yeah. Unless I can understand but Spanish. Yours in, you, but yours was in, in English, no. but, but, but using a Greek term. I thought that was a rule. Well, I mean... Do you want to hear it or not? I'm not sure I do. You want to hear it? Come I, on. Only because we it. haven't got much content, okay, yes. Listen. Spanish man's in a shop looking for socks, and he's saying, can I have... Um, how you say... Um, and he couldn't think of the word. Yeah. And so the man goes through the drawers and he says, these holds a pair of pants. No, 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 no. Can I have... Um, Why doesn't he say socks? He doesn't know the word for socks. He's Spanish. Is he in English or in Spain? He's in England, but he's looking for socks. Why would you buy socks on holiday? Anyway, so he gets out pants. No, 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 no. No, no. I'm looking for a... How do you say? I would point to my feet and go... He brings out the hats. Socks. No, 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 no. Point. Finally, brings out the socks and the Spaniard says, Ah, eso sí que es... Why didn't you say so? S-O-C-K-S means, yes, that's it. I don't understand. S-O-C-K-X. S. Spells. Socks. Well, it doesn't, does it? S-O-C-K-S. Yeah, but you said S-O-C-K-S. Yeah, but I messed that up. S-O-C-K-S. That's it. Also spells out socks. But why? But you can't do a joke where the punchline, you have to take the first letter of each word no, and then make a word I'm out of it. I'm saying that. The actual term... Yes, that's it. S-O-C-K-S. Yeah. Also, happily, for us, for joke purposes, sounds like you're spelling out socks. Te quiero. Bueno. Vamos a me. Te quiero, pero dices nada. I mean, you, you don't say anything. I love you, but you don't say anything. Yeah. Where have you heard that? <laughs> I don't Where on earth have you heard that? Silly phrase I've got. Uh, dirty Verges! It's Lynn in Hemel. Morning, Lynn. I've got a song for you. Oh, for goodness. Uh, listen, we've got some very important visitors from uh, a local school coming in any minute now. And they're, they're coming in to, um, uh, to, to experience the, the thrust, the bite, the, uh, the, the excitement of a live news show. And we're doing jokes in Spanish. And we've got Lillian Hemel with a song. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we've got nothing else, Lynn, so we might as well have it. Go on. Oh, go on, then. It's based on madness. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Dirty verges, dirty verges, dirty verges. We don't want them. No? Um... It's the best I could come up with. It's quite early. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just hear the girl. What was the girl's one again? Girls, where you go? Dirty verges. No, there's oh! Clean for the very last time. Dirty verges. Pick your stuff up. You filthy swine. Okay, I'm going to let them go. They well, have obviously, like, theirs were a lot better and they've got I mean, nice voices. I, well, I, I, I never thought I'd say it, but, th- but their song is actually better than another song, that other song being yours, Lynn. 
But yes, I'm sorry. I think you're absolutely right. Could you give us a call tomorrow with with um, and try again? Um, possibly. Okay. I, I don't listen. I, I feel like Simon Cow now. I feel really gutted now. Mm, you've not made it through to boot camp, Lynn. Oh well, hey ho. Yeah, keep trying. Maybe we'll see you next year. I'm surprised you haven't had lots of veggie people ringing up and shouting at you. Yeah, it's too weak to pick up the phone. Yeah. I'm joking. Lynn, would you ever wear fur? I've actually got a fur coat. Do, do you wear it nowadays? And it sounds a bit weird. It was my late partner's mother's, and it's made of moles. What? <laughs> oh, no. A coat made of moles? It's made of moles. Are you sure it's not just called mole skin? No, that's like the fabric you get on Yeah, because mole skin isn't made of moles. No, this co- is, it's made of moles. A coat of moles? And has it got their noses and whiskers on? No, it's just their bodies. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. I've actually got the receipt for it. It was bought in 51. Yeah. And it cost something like 80 pounds. In 1951? You could buy a, a row of houses for that. I know. And it's made of moles. Lynn, th- thank you. A mole... A mole coat. <gasps> the wind in the willows ended badly, didn't it? <laughs> that centre really has sent a, a shiver down that my spine. Hey, have you seen this text we've had from Ian? No, go on. He's re- in a fur dilemma. Oh, go on. Hi, Ian. A dilemma regarding fur. Yeah. I was left a collection of real fur coats and hats. I've no interest in keeping them, but would throwing rather than selling them be a bigger waste of an animal's life? From incorrectly spelt Ian. Well, let's, well, we'll have a little look. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go to a famous online auction site called eBay, and I'm going to see if there are fur coats in there, because I bet fur coats would, would go for quite a few quid. I reckon you'd get a few quid for that. Um, would that be wrong? Uh, should we? Should they be given a proper burial? He, I mean, he's not killing the animals. And there's a fo- faux fur. We want real fur. Real fur. Real Ah, let's have a little look. Let's have a... Mink coat, 90 quid. Wow. Fox vintage jacket, 40 quid. Oh, it's not that good, is it, really? Ah, uh, chuck them. Chuck them. Is that disrespectful, though? No, no, that's bury lives, them. that's little lives. Bury them, say a prayer. What are you going to do? They go in. Hope that sorted it out for you. Uh, Peter's on the line. Morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. Peace be with you, Thank brother. you, boss. What you got for me? Uh, vegetarians. Yes. Um... Yes, there's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian. Um, you should go back to it, um, because I've been a vegetarian for a long, long time. Yes. And uh, very healthy. However, the, the butchering of uh, halal and kosher meat, yeah. which is pretty primitive, to say the least, um, this practice goes back thousands of years when they didn't have electricity or or the means to stun, etc. And they're just carrying on their ancient customs in this modern 21st century that we're living in. Let them come up to date and do it properly. Uh, not that I would ever eat meat, but that, that, that's a, a one way forward. Some people are saying it's anti-Semitic, Peter. That's absolute rubbish. Uh, it's it's anti-animal welfare because the poor animal is hung up. Um, it must be absolutely terrified. Um, I can't even imagine what the slaughterhouse looks like, let alone uh, uh, eating meat. Moleskin, as I'm a mole catcher, they must have had thousands of moles to make a moleskin coat. You catch moles? Yeah, I'm a mole catcher, yeah. Is that your job? 
Um, well, one of the things. What do you do with the moles when you've caught them? Um, well, we leave them in a prominent position so that birds of prey, crows, stoats, um, oh. etc., can uh, then oh. have a little bit of a feast. Oh, hang on a second, Peter. Hang on a second, hang on a second. So you kill these moles? Well, well that's the only way of getting rid of them, I'm afraid. And you're a vegetarian? And I'm a vegetarian. How do you live with that huge contradiction in your life? Uh, I, I actually, every time I catch a mole, uh, I say a few words and uh, I, I thank the mole for giving itself up to me. Mm. And I'm very sorry for his death. You don't, Pete. You, you, do you really? I do, yes. Pretend you've got a dead mole in front of you that you've just murdered. What would you... Tell me what you'd say. I just say, um, uh, sorry, sorry to have taken your life, but you will have a better uh, future. I'm touched by that, but I'm confused. Peter, I've got to end it there. Thank you very much. Fascinating calls. Every time we speak to Peter, and a lot of you callers, I think I know you. I think I've kind of got a grasp on you. I think I've, I've, I understand what shapes you as a person. And then all of you, every now and then, just something, just something comes out. Peter's a vegetarian who kills moles, and to ease his conscience, he says a prayer for the moles. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, the uh, Rosie is texted in in regards to the gentleman who had the fur coats. He, what was it? He inherited a lot of fur coats. Yeah. Didn't know what to do with them. No, and thought, would it be disrespectful to just chuck them? Well, she's come up with a good suggestion. Tell the guy with the fur coats to sell them and donate the money to an animal preservation charity. There you go. And Tim says, Ian, if we weren't supposed to eat meat, God wouldn't have invented animals. Ho, 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 ho. Uh, Kelly's in Luton. Morning, Kelly. Good morning. You're, you're joining our Dirty Verges campaign. I am, yes. I just wanted to ring up and, and let you know that I work for Signposts in Luton, the homeless charity. Oh, yeah. And we've got a, a volunteer group called Team SP. It's amazing. It's uh, the staff and all of our clients, and we get together and do jobs in the community. And um, next, on Saturday, the 5th of April, we're actually going to a riverbank to do a litter clearance. Oh. Um, but we're looking for many volunteers. This ah. is going to be a big job. So if anyone would like to get involved, it'd be great. What day did you say? Saturday, the 5th of April? That's correct. Well, yeah. I know for a fact that Catherine is free then. <laughs> well, no, I'm lambing. Don't I would do it, but I'm lambing. Oh. I'm needed on the farm. I'm going to sit to the theatre with Paul Scoynes. And, and then you're going to eat cheese. We're going to go to a cheese restaurant, yeah. Imagine very that, nice. a restaurant, Kelly, where they only serve cheese. Mm. Isn't that wrong? Well, listen, that's very good of you. If people want to come and join you and help out, how, how do they get in touch? And um, If they go onto our website, there's details on there to give us a ring. Um, the lady that's championed this is Phil. Um, and if you just ask for her, she'll okay. be able to give you as much information as possible. Well done, you. It is one of the things that does get my go. L- l- the there is no excuse for dropping litter at all, is there? Not really. Mm. Uh, what? Well, g- g- give us the website, Kelly. You told us to go there, and then uh, we didn't get the address. So oh, we'll... yeah. It's um, www.signpostso.co.uk. Hang on a second. Justin, are you free on um, Saturday the 5th of April? Um, quite possibly, yes. Do you oh, want to go? please come down, Justin. Please, please come down. Come on, beg me more. Come on. <laughs> no, you go- no, no, Kelly, no, don't. don't you no, don't. come on, play <laughs> this game. It's no, fun. No, you don't. Don't have to demean yourself for ju- in front of Justin <laughs> Daly. Justin, why don't you go? And, I, I would, but I'm going to the theatre with Paul uh, Scoynes. Why don't yeah. you go, go down and pick up some litter? Mm, it sounds like um, a thoroughly uh, enjoyable afternoon out. I tell you what, this is what you can do, Justin. Mm, I don't mm. want to put you on the.
the spot. But why yeah. don't you, after your show, nine till twelve on a Saturday, go yeah. down there? You can record a little piece for the show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> well, we're starting at McDonald's in Birmingham Road, and yeah. then working our way all the way to—is um, it Bancroft Road? Yeah. So it's a long stretch. You're selling um, it well. Yeah. <laughs> and G- we're starting at nine thirty and finishing at three thirty. Fingers crossed. Kelly, give us a ring on the Friday the fourth during okay. the show. So we'll, we'll definitely give you another plug, and I'll. I'll I'll see if I can twist Justin Dealey's um, masculine so arm. Kelly, it's nice you. to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks you see? a lot. Have a lovely day. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. There we go. Well, she sounded nice, didn't she, Just A community champion. You up for that? Uh, I think so. I'll uh, check my diary, but um, at this moment in time, it's, uh, it's clear until um, about nine o'clock. Ah, now listen, we've got you out about this morning. Fur. Fur is making a comeback, baby. Mm. It was um, fashionable in the 70s. It kind of, it sort of started going out of fashion a bit in the 80s. I remember the, the, the tide turning ever so slightly. In the 90s, there was I'd Rather Go Naked Than, than Wear Fur, that big campaign. Um, but it's coming back. Rihanna wears it. I mean, that's when she's bothering to wear clothes. Kate <laughs> Moss wears it. Uh, it's been uh, featured in a, 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 a big um, uh, fashion show recently but would people feel comfortable wearing it just mm. it's in all the papers this morning i don't think fur will ever make a big comeback yes you're talking about a-list celebrities there who wear it because you know what happens ian photographs are taken and they get put into national newspapers i've been in harpen in this morning talking to people about fur here's what happened madam you would never wear real fur tell me why unthinkable to wear real fur why we don't have the right to wear another creature's coat it's mm. barbaric do you eat meat yes but only if it's um free range and if you knew somebody was wearing a real fur coat would you say something to that person i would say something to that person definitely would you be quite aggressive in your thoughts I would feel quite aggressive, but I don't think that's the way to change people's minds, so I wouldn't be aggressive. But you certainly get your point across. Yes. Jane, very simply, would you ever wear real fur? No, I wouldn't. Tell me why. Um, just for the principle of um, the fact that it's an animal, really. Mm. So, But I suppose if it dries naturally... You've got to keep warm, and some countries do use every part of an animal to survive. So, in that sort of case, it's different, I yeah. think. But here, you certainly wouldn't do it. No. You don't believe in it at all. No. I mean, how can I put this? Um, stereotypically, Harpenden's quite a, a posh area. Yeah. Do you sometimes see people wearing real fur coats here? I wouldn't know if it was a real fur or not. Mm. So, I suppose they would. I suppose they do, yeah. Now, Iris, you've had a, a fur jacket for many, many years. Let me put this question to you. Do you feel guilty for owning a jacket like that? No. Why should I? I'm not wearing it and, you know, I, I wouldn't go, I don't go out in it because it's like the fashion. Mm. People don't wear them. Mm. That's all. So, if it was the fashion, would you wear it again? Do you, would you almost feel like the odd one out for wearing it here? If it was the fashion? If other people were wearing them, I might do, yes. I, I'm not really interested in fur jackets. Mm. It's just when my husband bought it and... I just wore it at the time for a while, but I haven't worn it since, you know. But you got no, no guilt for, for owning a jacket like that at all? 
No, not really. Well, madam, you, again, you own a fur jacket. Do you have any guilt for owning that jacket at all? No, none whatsoever, because the animal was already dead. And if I wasn't wearing it, it would just be hanging in the wardrobe gathering dust. And it belonged to my mother and my grandma and her mother before that, so it's been passed on. So you still wear it now? I still wear it now. Now, when you wear that, do people stereotype you? Do you almost feel like people want to say something to you? I've never had any problems whatsoever with it. I notice when I go, um, say, to um, France or Belgium, nearly all the women there are wearing fur jackets. Mm. Yes. Do you think in this country maybe we're just a bit too uptight about it? I think so, yes. I don't get what the difference is, Justin, is mm. if you're going to eat meat yep. or you're going to wear uh, leather. I saw a very old, well, an old, I saw a gentleman in his 60s wearing leather trousers yesterday. It was a thoroughly unpleasant sight. Yeah. But, what, but I, what's, what's the difference, really? I think the main difference between if we're going to have this debate about eating meat, uh, killing animals to either eat, I think, fr- from my point of view, I think the difference is if you're eating meat, that's because we need to eat. You don't need to be walking down the high street having uh, the latest fashionable jacket. You don't need to be doing that. That, to me, is not a necessity. That, for me, is the main difference between the two. But, no, but neither is neither is eating meat, really. It's not, it's not a necessity you're going to have against us. No, no, but of course we, we need to, to eat to live, don't we? we? We don't need to be wearing high-end jackets to live. We don't need to be doing that. We don't need leather shoes. No, it's a good point again. Is yeah. it that lady saying there about only by free range? Well, you're still eating meat at the end of the day. But I didn't think I'd find anybody this yeah. morning who oh, owned no. a jacket, let alone who is still prepared to walk down the high street here and wear that jacket and have no issues with that whatsoever. I was quite shocked. I don't know if you've been listening to this morning, Justin. I know you you, uh, you, you, you tend not to because you personally, you hate me, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I've come off the vegetarian wagon for two weeks. Yeah, I've heard about this, yeah. And I'm going to pop down to prisoners. I'm going to have my first bacon sandwich in 25 years. Do you want to come and watch? Do you not feel guilty about this, though? Seriously, if you're if you're a vegetarian, yeah. how can you how can you go back to eating meat and uh, and laugh and joke about it? I think I, it's outrageous. Don't, don't try. Don't uh, listen. Come on, I, it is. Come I, on. I'm not a local councillor that you're chasing up some stairs for goodness' sake. <laughs> you can't on. get me with that trick. I do. Yeah, I do feel guilty. Yeah, I do feel guilty. Um, uh, I, I, I do feel guilty, and that's what I'm struggling with at the moment. That's yeah. that's that's kind of what. That's why I've, I've set myself two weeks. I'm allowing myself the experience of the meat, and I'm thoroughly enjoying the taste of the meat, mm. but it, it, it is sitting uncomfortably with me ethically, yes. So why are you doing this again? Just, what, an experiment, or just you've had enough and you want to go back to meat, or...? Why am I doing it? Yeah, why? How does it make you feel? Life uh, should be uh, full of experiences, and I, I, I wanted the experience of eating meat for two weeks mm. to see what it was to see what it was like, to see what I was missing out on, and to, to see if. if uh, and also, I think that, that every now people are kind of reluctant to change in life. They, they yeah. kind of they, 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 they get something and they stick with it. Yeah, and I think yeah. every now and then you should take a step back and question yeah. what decisions you made and whether you want to stick to them. Uh, you know my thoughts on this. I would love to be a vegetarian, but unfortunately I can't because but I'll be eating macaroni and cheese all of my life and that would get boring after you're, a week. You're saying that as though you often walk around the office saying, I'd love to be a vegetarian. <laughs> you know my views. I would love to be a veggie. I would love to, but unfortunately, there's just not enough choice for me. Justin, you do an uh, um, um, excellent music show on Saturdays, mm. 9 till 12, BBC Three Counties Radio. Who have you got on this week? Do you know? Uh, yes, I do actually. Um, Eddie Reader, Fairground oh. Attraction. Gonna be on the show picking well, a favourite musical I hope, uh, I hope it's uh, perfect. <laughs> well, it will be. It yeah? will be. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, I know. You like that? You like yeah. what I did there? It's, yeah, clever. Yeah. yeah. Anything, else, anything else happening on there? Um, yeah, we've got the UK and American I'm just chance. filling for time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's no worries from this yep. weekend in uh, 1970. 
47 and, and uh, of course request from the biggest jukebox anywhere in Beds, Hearts and Bucks 1 million songs OK got another 10 seconds I could do with filling if you've got anything OK you can email me now justin.daily at BBC no that's OK I've just been sent a picture of my boy dressed as the hungry caterpillar so that's uh, that's certainly filled up enough radio time thanks I've got a picture of my youngest boy dressed up as the hungry caterpillar life doesn't get any better than that let me tell you Bless you, my little boy. That's it, that's your lot. Don't forget, you can go and download the podcast of the show by going to iTunes or by going to the BBC Three Counties webpage. JBS is up next until six tomorrow from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.